Greetings, filmmakers, and welcome to this week's podcast. This is Damien Petty from IATSE Local 212, and I'd like to let you know about the Respectful Workplaces Workshop. This one-day course is taking place either February 10th or February 11th in Calgary. The course is perfect for all members of the production community and is taught by the amazing Natasha Tony. For more information, please visit the training portal at iatse212.com. Enjoy the podcast. Visit beautiful Banff, Alberta from March 9th to 11th for Story Summit 2018, presented by the Alberta Media Production Industries Association and Banff Centre for the Arts and Creativity. Story Summit is the premier gathering for North American digital content creators, including filmmakers, producers, directors, camera operators, audio and editing professionals, writers and actors. The summit will include keynote speakers, panel discussions, workshops crafted to sharpen both the technical and creative skills needed to stay relevant and in the game as well as invaluable opportunities to have one-on-one time to connect with presenters and industry insiders at tabletop lunches and other socials at this unique industry networking event. This is the third annual summit, and it focuses on story, technology, diversity, and inclusion in the ever-changing ecosystem of content and media and entertainment. Speakers include John Giegengack, who will look at trends that are leading the way in the media and entertainment industry, as well as a session with Melissa Mollen-Dupuy, 2017 Amnesty International's Ambassador of Conscience. And camera operator Stephen Campanelli, who was Clint Eastwood's cameraman for 25 years, who also worked on three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. And Gilles Corby, a camera operator on The Shape of Water, which leads the way with 13 Oscar nominations this year. Sessions include The Future in Hand, Entertainment Technology, starting at the end of VFX Workshop, Modern Casting 101, Camera, Lens, and Lighting, Creating That Look, Getting the Agent and Getting the Deal, and many more. See you in Banff, Alberta this March. And for more information and to register, visit storysummit.ca. Hello. Hello. Welcome to the Alberta Filmmakers Podcast. Thank you. You are welcome. Hmm. I'm Scott Westby. Uh, and I'm Briar Greenhall. We are part of Full Swing Productions, and every week we bring you news, tips, and interviews in the film, video, and digital media uh, industries of Alberta. Briar? Yeah? You're not Matt. No, Matt is in Nicaragua. (gasps) Nicaragua. So you're stuck with me this week. Yeah. I think actually as we're recording this, he's probably just landed. Um, Yeah, it was like a 12-hour flight. Yeah, it was a long trip, like 30 degrees there with humidity, like... Are you frowning at 30 degrees? I'm frowning at, yeah. It is minus 20 outside as we record this. It is a 50 degree difference. I'd take it. But it's, I don't know, that's too hot to me when it's humid like that. Uh, Anyway, we'll have to see what he, you know, what he thinks about that heat. Um, I think it's his first time kind of south of the U.S., I think. Yeah, I saw he posted on Facebook um, that he was in Mexico and it was his first time in Mexico. Right. Um, so, which yeah, I was surprised about. So I thought he'd been to Mexico before too. Yeah. So it's not. So yeah, first time on a real kind of tropical beach. We'll have to see how that plays out for him. So we just, we started today with a Matt update. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that was that was our yeah update of what's going on. So let's get into the news. Um, the uh, the Edmonton Film Prize uh, winners were announced uh, last week. Uh, mm-hmm. So we're wishing a huge congrats, of course, to Adam Scorgi, who want who walked out with a ten thousand dollar check. Nice. For uh, Chasing Evil, the Robbie Knievel story, a documentary that uh, 
He has done, uh, if you haven't uh, heard about Adam Scorgi, I think we've got a couple of episodes with him, at least two. Mm-hmm. Um, you should go listen to them because he's really inspiring dude. And he's one of those guys who just like doesn't know. Um, he, he, he Even if he doesn't know what he's doing, he just rolls up his sleeves. And I think it plays a lot off um, Andrew's episode from last week. It's right. About the hustle. Yeah, about the like, hustle. He's yeah. a hustler. Yeah. Hugely. Yeah, big time. Uh, and he's got a very foul mouth, which uh, is great for this podcast. It keeps me entertained. Um, so be warned for uh, for precious ears. Um, the runners up were uh, Jessica Lura and uh, Connie Edwards. Um, Jessica Lura for uh, her web series, web series Abigail, a dating coach, which was uh, a micro budget program in the same year that Plainview mm-hmm. went through, actually. Uh, and Connie Edwards documentary, I Got Rhythm, The Science of Song. Uh, each of them won a thousand bucks. Music prize winner was Dan Davidson uh, with runners up Noella Charles and 100 Mile House also collected awards for their excellent work in the past year. I'm so jealous that Edmonton has a film prize. Um, but I think we might have one soon. And is this inside knowledge or is this just hope? Uh, a little bit of both. Mostly just hope, though. I'm not I'm not personally doing anything to make it happen. But mm-hmm. uh, some people that I know are trying to uh, to make that happen in Calgary. So we'll see how it goes. Uh, in the We don't actually talk about tech news very often, but uh, this was something that I was pretty excited about. Um, 4k of course is, you know, not even a buzzword anymore. It's just kind of a standard format that a lot of people are shooting in. Um, but Aerie, uh, the Alexa cameras haven't had a 4k version. Uh, even when we were shooting plain view, we shot, really? a, yeah, we shot an Alexa mini and we didn't shoot 4k. We shot, I think like 2.3k. So, uh, just a couple days ago, Aerie announced that, uh, they will be creating an Alexa LF, which is short for large format. Uh, so they're finally getting into the 4k game. And, uh, you know, obviously their approach is to make sure that everything is perfect and to do it right. Um, and that's their kind of reasoning for for waiting this long. So, um, yeah, it's actually 4.4K, uh, large format that will shoot open gate mode up to 90 frames a second, which is insane. This camera just takes really pretty pictures. Uh, it'll be coming soon. The release date is the end of March with a starting price tag of about $114,000 Canadian. So um, I'm going to start saving <laughs> for that uh, and I'll be saving for a while. So yeah, gearheads uh, and cinematographers and stuff. That uh, that's pretty exciting news. So you got Scott and me, Scott yeah. and I, I. Uh, for the news today. Uh, but you still will get to hear Matt this week that's because right. he uh, conducted our interview this week uh, with Edmonton-based Randy Brzozowski, who's a marketing and advertising consultant, creative director, actor, and writer, and creator of the web series Necessary Evil. Yeah, he's he's kind of got a similar background to me. Uh, started in marketing. Um, and you can tell, I think, by listening to this, that that's where his head goes a lot. Is, mm-hmm. is he talks about building an audience and stuff like that? Um, I actually, I actually haven't met Randy, but I know him. I kind of became aware of him a few years ago when he was creating this series called Elevator. Um, and he shot, he and his team, of course, shot a uh, hundred one-minute episodes of this web series in one day. Uh, and I remember it was just a media blitz while they were shooting it. Um, mm. So yeah, really cool uh, person with some really cool stuff going on. Um, and Matt has some interesting discoveries while they're recording and we will let, uh, let you hear those. So here is Matt and Randy. Uh, we are actually, we, we recorded an episode in this very same Remedy Cafe oh, okay. yeah. uh, with Andrea Bessa. Yes. Um, so listeners may recall the ambiance. Um, so don't mind that. Um, but uh, uh, we are here with you, sir. Um, and uh, why don't you introduce yourself and tell you tell us? I, I mean, my my first awareness of you was this mm-hmm. thing, and I'm totally blanking on the name, of course. Uh, Nece- Necessary evil, Necessary right? Evil. Okay. Which sure. is a web series. 
Necessary Evil is a web series. And then the Elevator Project was... The Elevator Project. The Elevator Project. Yes, yeah. exactly. Right. Uh, elevator was um, was a crazy idea. Um, with Necessary Evil, I've been trying to... I mean, it's the it's the self-starter school of filmmaking. No one's going to give me millions of dollars to do this. But if I come up with a great idea, and I approach someone, and they look at it, and they say, well, that's a good idea. And then I say, oh, and I have 20,000 followers on Twitter. They right. say, oh, let's, let's look at that closer. Can yeah, we get yeah. legal in here? That's, yeah. <laughs> right. Right. So how can we build the audience? How can we branch this out right. without going into the series? Because right. I actually started by writing Necessary Evil uh, 15 episodes, webisodes, uh, and then season arcs for season three, four, two, three, and oh, four. Wow. Okay. So like, there's, there's a big story coming. Cool. Right? Cool. Uh, but we, uh, thanks to Story High, I've got to do the pilot project. Okay. Or the pilot episode. Episode. Okay, yeah. cool. That was three years ago. That was my first encounter with Story High. Cool. All right. And then the question is, okay, how do we get enough money to do this properly? Right, right. So and you and so you you have you done a full season yet? No, no. we're just going. But you have like three seasons mapped out. And, four and seasons mapped four, out. Four wow. season written and three more mapped out. That's awesome. That's out. awesome. Yeah. Uh, and how long are the episodes? Uh, eight to ten minutes. Cool. All at right. this point, but awesome. they they just focus on the main character because they're webisodes, right? Right. So they're nice right. and tight. If we if Amazon or Netflix comes knocking on our door. Um, uh, yes, or HBO, is, yeah, <laughs> or HBO. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, then um, we can easily flush this out, and then just use that that main character arc as a as a skeleton, right? And build out the world. There's lot. There's lots in this world. There's so much in this world I want to talk about. And, and I, so and, many stories and I want so to tell. many characters because I have I I have seen, of course, the Elevator Project or at right. least pieces of it. Right. And that was such a unique thing. That I mean, that's how. And what a good idea to to set yourself apart. In a, in a, to get some media attention and right. it's a good publicity idea, right? And 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 it's it started as a fun idea. Yeah. Okay. Uh, there's a there's a worldwide event called 101 Day hashtag 101 Day. Okay. Where cities try and get a hundred different community building events happening okay. in their city on that one day every year. Okay. Yeah. I feel like uh, I've vaguely heard of it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, make something Edmonton was sort of behind it here in town. Okay. And so. The, like I said, the, the, the parameters on how to do one of these things are pretty wide. Right. And I had been thinking, again, back to this idea of how do I keep building content in this universe? Right. Building out the characters, building out the world. Right. So that I generate an audience and so that people say, oh, this is cool. I want to know more. Right. Ding. That's a win. Mm-hmm. Um, without, uh, you know, starting down the trek of self-producing the episodes. Right. Which would be a long, expensive slog. Right. And harder to get traction. It's build the audience and then find a way to generate some money or some interest or a broadcaster or whatever to say, right, okay, right. do a chunk. So this was before uh, we got the funding from TELUS just this oh, year. Oh, okay, cool. So I thought, wouldn't it be great, one, to do something sort of on the fly with a bunch of characters, get a little writer's room together and just bang yeah, yeah. off scenes. Absolutely, yeah. And then go shoot them. Oh, like same day you did that? You wrote well, them? This is the idea. Okay, okay. okay. This is the idea. <laughs> all, right, all right, okay. So I was thinking, wouldn't it be cool to do this? And I'd love to try a, a different uh, platform to release this on. Right. And Instagram, at the time I was thinking of this, was still 15-second limit for videos. Right, yes. So I tried writing a scene that was 15 seconds. Yeah. The tightest scene I could write was 18. I'm like, <laughs> no, it's not going to happen. So just whatever. I guess we're not doing, oh, what's this news about Instagram? They've just expanded to... Minute long videos. Uh-huh. We could do this. Interesting. We could do this for uh, 101 days, so we can tie into their publicity, and we can get some people ah, here about it. And absolutely. my wife, who I love dearly, but I had a moment where I was like, "I, I, 
Uh, you what? <laughs> we're sitting on the couch, and she looks over at me as we're talking about this, and she says, "Well, you realize the event is called." 100 in one day and I said yo don't say another word she said do 100 I'm like are you insane she said do 100 <laughs> I have to write the scripts ahead of time but do 100 right wow so 100 minute or less long stories shot edited edited is a loose word right, right it was just fade up from black with a right. ding fade down to black yeah, with a ding yeah. but on an iPad there's limited options to do that. It Absolutely, is way yeah. trickier than it sounds. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. Uh, and posted all in one day. So we put together a writing team. Uh, it was about 10 writers. 10 writers? Eight writers. Eight writers, 10 actors. Okay. Some had been in Necessary Evil before in okay. that pilot episode. Okay. Some had not. It was about 50 50. So we're right. creating new characters because we want to build out the world. Right, right. Um, writers contributed. Uh, an average from from a couple scripts to a dozen scripts. Okay. And what was fascinating is that half these characters had been created and had a storyline. Half these characters were new. These writers weren't necessarily talking to each other. Oh, okay. But some of the character relationships they were writing in isolation were mirroring between other really? writers. And it without, was like, without them without telling. Them talking Whoa. to each other. Weird. So we spent a day, and I've got this picture. Uh... It's it's in, on the the necessary evil series Instagram page way down at the early stages yeah. of our hundred post its uh, on the board right right as we're trying to figure out okay what order do we shoot these in because mm. we don't want any actor go back to back because they're gonna each actor is gonna have twenty scripts oh yeah They're only a minute or you're less gonna have to, yeah you got to give them but some time to figure to read to them prep the next <laughs> yeah, script, yeah yeah right we did a reading a right. week before we shot okay. but still you want to say okay. You've done your scene, now go learn your next scene, yeah. which is one, two, or three way. And you're only going to have ten minutes, really, until be five. even between five? <laughs> oh we did the math. It was five minutes from starting to shoot to saying, okay, get out, we're bringing Unbelievable. in the next crew wow. to get it done. Very interesting. And, and we went to camera at 6 a.m., and we wrapped at about 8.30 that night. All right. Posting took That's a little great. longer. Right. But uh, yeah, about twenty after twelve. Kind of that a typical night, film day, really. We posted, yeah, yeah, but but a typical film day where we technically shot, edited, and distributed a feature. Unbelievable. In a day, I, I didn't think of that. That's on. That's unreal. Yeah, yeah because it's a hundred and was it a hundred or hundred and one minute? So hundred minutes of content day. in a single day. Unreal. Yeah, that's amazing. It was, it was so crazy and so much. And what fun. was the impact? We'll get back to this, I think. Sure. But I'm just so curious about like what was the interaction level at the time. Because that's when it's going to be best. Like, were people like watching live and like waiting for the next ones and commenting? And yeah, absolutely. that's super cool. Yeah, absolutely, right on. Um, handful of comments, but lots of people watching and lots of people liking right, as right. we went along. Cool. Uh, I talked to a bunch of people who watched. I was it one of them. Would, yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah. Who would uh, watch like three or four or five in a row? Right. And then go off about the day for a bit, and then come yeah. back, and there'd be a bunch more. More waiting up. for you. So they'd watch a few more. Here's an interesting question. The way Instagram's algorithm works now mm -hmm. is that you kind of get a random mixture mm -hmm. of whoever you follow. Yes. So was there a required order to watch them in, or, do, or did that matter? No, and that was one okay. of the challenges of writing them. Right, right, you right. You needed to be able to watch them out of order. Right. Or just individual ones. Mm -hmm. But we were also trying to create sort of storylines. Right, right. So we wanted some arcs of in course. there. Of course, yeah, yeah. That was, that was another challenge of trying to schedule all these things. Right. And we... There was a couple great scenes where, like, there was a couple scenes that two people wrote basically the same scene, the same two characters. Like, well, we can't do both. <laughs> right. But there were, but quite often we'd choose to say, okay, we'll do this one because this one is self-contained. Right. You don't need to watch any other episode to still kind of get what's going on here. Right, right, sure. 
but there were still um, threads that you could follow. Uh, one of my favorites was um, sensitivity training. It's the shortest one. One of the demons comes onto the elevator with a stack of sharpened sticks. Another demon that's on the elevator looks and says, what are those for? She says, sensitivity training. <laughs> His eyes open wide. Ding. Done. <laughs> that's great. Um, <laughs> later on, one a different pair of demons is in the elevator and one's a little twitchy and she looks at him and says, well, what's the matter with you? He says, sensitivity training. <laughs> Which was funny on its own, but if you'd seen the other one, was even right, funnier. Right, right, of course. Interesting. Right. So That's cool. So, how? Yeah, that was the challenge. So, so create, getting ready to shoot. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. is uh, I, Art and science. Yeah, and, and writing, like, imagine, like, if you had to write the same day, like, how could you get those mm. props, right? Mm. If, like, that would have been a real problem, yeah. Uh, what The original concept of doing it the same day, uh, if you've ever... If you're familiar with the old Spice guy, okay, yeah, from yeah. a handful of years ago, sure. Um, they did one day. They decided they were going to do um, live tweeted videos. Yes, I remember to that. Questions, right? Which and was they basically had a writing room, a yeah, props okay, team, okay. Yeah, and a yeah. set. Mm-hmm. And someone would come up with the question. They'd go, oh, "Okay, here's the answer, and we'll need these props." And they'd give it to him. They'd shoot it and tweet it back. Unbelievable! And they did yeah. that for a whole day, which I and it was super was smart. They were also they were also reaching out to like big influencers, like yeah. like big YouTubers, and Absolutely. and it totally gained traction because nobody was doing anything like that. Like, what exactly. a cool thing to share! Yeah, yeah. Um, and this was just one idea of something we threw in to try and build the universe of necessary evil. It's cool. So I love that. I, I didn't really realize it was a. It's it's a smaller part of a much larger idea. Yeah, absolutely. So let's go. Let's rewind all the way back, though. Yes, uh, we jumped around a bit. I think you are, from what I can tell, an actor, producer, director, <laughs> writer. Keep going. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, and that's the thing uh, with self-starting. I mean, at the begin, at the end of the day. Sorry, no, actually, at the beginning of the day, I wanted to be an actor. Okay. I wanted to be famous. Right, I right. want to be in movies For and sure. on stage, and I want everyone to love me. Of course. Uh, the one thing they didn't teach us in theater school, but that I learned pretty quickly, is the best opportunities are going to be the ones you make yourself. Right. So I went into producing theater. Cool. And did that for a while uh, until that ate my soul. <laughs> and because I don't particularly enjoy producing, okay. there's very few people who do. Yeah, I that's challenge true. you that's to true. find someone who says, "Oh no, producing, I love it. <laughs> I love Give it. Me yeah. Paper and <laughs> yeah. contracts yeah. and." And 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 uh, grants and yep. forms and checks. Yeah, I'll be thrilled. And, <laughs> totally. Yeah, and I'm serious. If you meet that person, please introduce me. <laughs> Scott Lepp is one. Okay, yeah, good. Yeah. We need to have a conversation. <laughs> All right, about sounds that. good. Um, so, but after producing theater, I'm like producing film is so much more. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't enjoy producing theater, so okay. no, nah, I'm not going to do it. Right. Um, that was a mistake. Uh, so many of the things that I'd find myself involved in, small little things that you have to pour hours of your own time and sometimes money yeah. and gas and all these things into. Yeah. And I realized, you know, it's uh, I could spend all this time on my own work mm-hmm. and I wouldn't be just background or one actor in this thing. I could totally, I could do my own stuff. Right. Fine, I'll produce. <laughs> and... I love actors who've produced who who get get on the other side of the camera and and yes because it's I I love seeing the change in actors because it's it's kind of like <laughs> not not that not that all actors are are impatient or 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 angry or, or something but uh, there there's definitely a, a change where they're like oh 
I don't need to bug them about, you know, 10 times about the call sheet. They will get it to me as soon as they're able to because they're working their asses off. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, when I'm in producer mode, I, I hate is a strong word, but I kind of hate all actors, right. including myself. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. I look at myself and go, stop being a dick. Right. The producer's busy. <laughs> yeah, He'll exactly. get to you when he can. And I look at myself and I say, fine. Yeah. But yeah. I have needs. <laughs> and so, yeah, I think, I think all actors should... Direct once, I think. Totally, uh, I totally. think all directors should edit, clearly. Yeah, definitely. Once, definitely. twice. They don't have to be editors, sure. but they should edit. For sure. I think all stage actors should produce a fringe show. Mm. Not, yeah. not even be in it, just produce it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And learn what the other side, like, For anytime sure. you can learn what another completely different department is doing to help add to the whole of what you're doing, you get a better sen bigger sense of the picture. Yep. Um, directing makes me a better actor. Mm -hmm. Um... Hosting auditions makes me a better auditioner mm -hmm. when I'm an actor going into an audition because totally, yeah. I, I get it. I get what they're looking for because I look sense. for it. For sure. Um, like I used to think when walking in as an actor to an audition, it's like, oh, you're being judged and you must succeed or fail and by failing right. in your career. Right. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. like the pressure and it's the whatnot. Yeah. And it's so uncomfortable even for the, for the, for the casting oh, side yeah. of the table because everyone wants you to succeed that's exactly what, that's what i wish more actors understood we all want you to do great we're not yeah. hoping you fail <laughs> no yeah if you walk in and you nail it we're done absolutely it's we great. can just Our send everyone home exactly. we're finished yeah. okay yeah. awesome you've just saved us hours mm -hmm. um so yeah understanding that and understanding things like um as an actor coming into an audition brings strong choices mm -hmm. instead of trying to figure out exactly what the director wants yeah Bring a strong choice. Absolutely, yeah. And then the director will go, okay, that's a big choice. It's not what I'm looking for, so I'll give you some direction. But I know you can bring lots to the table. Yeah. Far too many actors, and I've done this before, are trying to do what the director wants, or they're mm -hmm. not sure what the director wants, so they're trying to do it right, or trying to do right. it safe. And right. it's like, everybody's coming in looking like exactly what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And then one out of five is coming in saying, surprising me, saying, I didn't see the character that way. Right. That's neat. Maybe yeah. we could. Sometimes I didn't see the character that way, and I still don't. Right. But <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> what you've done is shown me you're bringing something Absolutely. to it. So I'm going to give you a direction. And if you take that direction well, I'm like, okay, that, that is the best audition I can get. Exactly. And if, I, if you're not right for this role, I will remember you. Totally. Totally. Yeah. That's, that's exactly it. If, if, yeah. If you, I, that's a great, yeah, it's a great piece of advice. If you make a strong choice and I can adjust it. Yeah. and you can do something different, then that's that's a great audition. Yeah. Even if it's not right for that role, yeah, that's that, I know that's a skilled actor. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. There's going to be a, a casting surprise or two, because we just we just ran auditions for Necessary Evil. Oh, cool. And I didn't uh, even know that. That's great. Oh, yeah. This, this is very timely, then. This is very timely. <laughs> uh, hopefully, by the time this airs, we'll have figured out the cast. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, but I can already say, without announcing, I mean, we're starting to announce the cast on okay. Instagram and Facebook, great, great. but these are the people that we already knew were coming. The right. new cast will come after we announce oh, all of these. Oh, I see. Okay, cool. Gotcha. So, they're, they're coming. Probably cool. by the time we, uh, yeah, by the time this airs, we'll be into the new people we've cast. Okay, cool. So, where but can people go? Instagram.com slash? Necessary Evil Series. Cool. All right. Or Facebook.com slash Necessary Evil Web Series. Ah, okay. <laughs> Someone else got Necessary Evil Damn series, it. shot a couple episodes, oh, built really? a big audience, and then didn't do anything. I'm no. like, ah, <laughs> can I have that? Yeah, please. No, <laughs> probably not. That's all right. That's um, right. So, yeah, take me back. So, so you started in theater. Yep. And and then you moved over to film to produce, you say? Um, 
produce and act, kind of star in your well, own. Moved, I, I wanted to act okay. on film and right. theater right cool. out of the gate. Uh, it wasn't until <laughs> walking out of theater school and friend grabbing a camera and trying to do stuff on her own and realizing, A, it's way bigger than we thought it is, right, and right. B, we didn't, we didn't get trained how to act on film. Ah. The thing is, and this is something that, 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 that it's taken me a long time to learn, but acting on stage and acting on film are apples and oranges, but it's important to recognize that apples and oranges are both fruit. Indeed, indeed. Yeah. The core skills are identical. For sure. But a friend of mine, Clinton Carew, who's an actor uh, here in Edmonton. Okay. Uh, he does, he acts on stage and film. He's done filmmaking and producing. Very talented guy. Came up with the best metaphor for it. And he said, it's the same thing. I might be paraphrasing. I apologize, Clinton, if you're listening. <laughs> uh, this is just what I remember because he said this years ago. Right. It's the same sort of Acting on film is like acting on stage, but mm -hmm. acting on stage, you might have an audience member 30 rows ahead of you, and your performance has to read to them. Right. Acting on a film is like having your audience in a phone booth with you. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's it's great. It's all the same I love it. skills as to vulnerability and choices and what's at stake. And, yeah. And uh, if, if you've got advanced acting training, like vote theory and tactics and well, all this stuff. Right. But you don't have to communicate it to the back row. You just have to communicate it Closer than you and I are right. sitting right now. Right, yeah. Right? Yeah. And I'm not going to perform for the back row the same way I'm going to perform for you. Exactly. Yeah. So, and and stage-trained actors tend to just turn down all the dials when they yeah. do film auditions that's exactly the first the time. Idea. Yeah, that's, that's the metaphor. Like all the dials. Just, just bring that down. But, but but then they bring down their intention. Uh, they bring down their emotion. Oh, no. They, bring down, they turn everything, everything down. Everything down. They yeah, turn we the don't master down. Right, right. <laughs> Turn the game down. Don't right. turn the master down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're turning the faders down. You're turning the bass, mid, and treble. You're just turning everything down, yeah. and you get these kind of dud performances. Huh, I know this because I did them in okay. my first film okay. auditions. Okay. Um, and then people who done film work and then go on stage, like, you can't see them from the second row because their moves are so small. Right, 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 yeah. Uh, first audition I ever did when I got out of radio, or when I got out of uh, film uh, theater school. All the words are blurring in my head. I need more chai. We're when doing I, radio now, yeah. Yeah, that's why I'm confused. <laughs> right. When I got out of theater school, I did a radio audition for CBC when CBC was still doing radio drama. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> and I remember getting into the studio and then the technician, the director in the in the, in the control booth. And I've got the headset on. The director's talking to me and say, okay. And I've got the script in front of me, and I start into the performance. And I see out of the corner of my eye the tech in the booth jump and pull the headphones off his oh, no. head and shake his head. <laughs> and then the director says to me, okay, so you're theater trained, right? I'm like, yes! <laughs> and I went to school at Red Deer College. And Red Deer College, you can tell an RDC actor because they have their, their main stage has a three-story fly tower on the stage and then a 600-seat auditorium. Right. And just yeah. the physics of sound, your voice will fill up the fly tower first oh. and then fill up the audience. Oh, so you have to you have to project really enough wow. so that you can fill three stories above you right. and then 600 seats in front of you. I did not you. know that. Huh. It's like the Tim Center in Edmonton with twice the seating. Right. So a Red Deer actor, <laughs> after two years of that program, right. has quite the projection. Of course. And it's just natural because they've been doing it for two years straight. And that's oh, acting in uh, that. That's, that's all you know. Not yeah. on radio. Not on radio. <laughs> Holy cow. And so she just talked me through it and, and just 
you know, said, you know, all the nuance and you're, you're, you're in your, you're in your listener's ear. You don't have right, to do that. Right, and, right. Uh, and it clicked and I did a much better second read. Still didn't get cast. Right. right. Uh, which I cry about at night once <laughs> a week, but not more than that. <laughs> oh, that's good. Um, but it was really in, informative. Right. And so the acting for stage and acting for film thing took a number of years to learn the difference. Right. Right. And learn which faders to run up right. and down and right. which faders not to change at all. Right. Interesting. So, um, yeah. So I started acting. I started producing my own shows because no one else was casting me. Right. Um, and and I think it was because I was saying, oh, I'll just go do a few auditions and then I'll be famous. Of course. Right? That's, That's how it works. Yeah, right? I went to film school. I, you go to L.A. right afterwards and become a director. Right? Clearly. <laughs> yeah. So... Um, yeah, so I just started making my own work. Mm -hmm. And when you have to make your own work, you're writing, you're producing, you're directing, right? You're doing publicity, you're doing all of it, right? right. Because you have no money to pay someone to do all of it. Of course. Yeah. So you have to learn. And so I learned graphic design skills. Uh, in fact, in my other life, I do uh, marketing communications consulting. Oh, cool. Because it's, it's a good skill to have. Well, it's in, a good skill to have, and it, it it's it's behavioral economics meets uh, theater training, right? Because the metaphor I always give is when you're when you're a, a director and you've got your two actors on the stage and they're doing this this passionate, intense scene, they might really be connected, but it's not reading to the audience, and that's your job right. as a director, right? To say, okay, it looked like you two were really there in the moment. But it was very private, and I didn't get right, it. Right, And I'm the audience. I'm paying for the ticket, so right. I, I've got to get you it. you got to share that, yeah. But I'm not just going to tell you how to do it differently. Right. I have to help you find an authentic way to capture those emotions and communicate that in a way that reads out to the back row out right, here. Right, So I'm just going to guide you through that process. Communications, I have to find you, or I have to help you find an authentic way it's true to you and your brand and your values and whatnot mm -hmm. to share what's important to you about your product or your service or whatnot right. in a way that this audience out here gives a crap about. Right, right. Because they're not on the stage with you. Right. And they don't care like you do. <laughs> right, of course. It's yeah. ugly baby syndrome. Yeah. Um, have you seen an ugly baby? Have you ever uh, seen oh, an course, ugly baby? Of course. There, there are scientifically ugly babies. Right. But there are two people who guarantee that baby is not ugly. Right. The parents. Of course. When you do a film, when you do a show, when you open a company, when you have a project, that's your baby. It's your baby. You've put everything you can into that. And yeah, you might perfect. not see that it's ugly. Right. <laughs> uh, so it's hard to tell people they have an ugly baby. Right. And But ugly babies in this context can be made pretty right right yeah so but without you know just swapping the baby out for a different baby right. every time you go out in public hey course, john yeah. can i borrow your kid we have to go out right well why well you know there'll be selfies it's important yeah exactly <laughs> so it's that process of of helping you find your authentic emotional valuable story and right. communicating it in a way that the person watching cares about because it connects with them on values and I just explained uh, theater and stage and film. Right. And I also just explained communications. Right. Yeah, yeah. So Very cool. They all cross over. So huh. fortunately, my day job, yeah. with the air quotes, yeah. um, is is driven by this and, and informed by this. And, and they, just, they just fuel each other. So cool. 
Uh, yeah, so I, I started just trying to do my own stuff. And a group of uh, peers and myself were uh, trying to produce a film. Okay. Um, we did a little short. So this was after Red Deer? This is way after Red okay, Deer. Yeah. This was probably six, seven years ago. Okay. We want to produce a film. He had written a short. My friend had written a short. And we shot it. He shot it out of his pocket. He directed and starred in it. And it was just the two of us. Cool. Went really well. Um, it's called All My Sins. Okay. You can find it. Do my All My Sins short on YouTube. Okay, cool. And you'll probably find it. And a bit of a theme developing, too, here, it seems. Yeah, but it's a very different story. <laughs> okay, okay. Very different story. Right. Um, and after doing that, he said, there's there's a feature in here. So he wrote a feature. Wow, cool. And we said, okay, great. Let's try and produce this. So we're trying to produce this, and we're learning more and more about the industry. Mm-hmm. And we realize that if we want to get money, we have to get a distributor, a broadcaster, uh, and... They won't give us money unless there's a star. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so one of these lead roles has to go to a star. Right. And the most appealing lead role for a star was mine. So yeah. I'm like, fine. I got another role in the show. Not okay. a lead, but whatever. Sure. But it struck me. Okay, here I am. Trained actor. Actually producing my own damn film. Yeah. And I can't even cast myself. Isn't that frustrating? Because my, my profile isn't high enough. Well, it's yeah. time to do something to build my own profile. There you go. And in the world where we can actually shoot movies on our phones, yep. there's no excuse. For sure. So I took an idea I had been chewing on for a long time. Uh, many years ago, uh, my comedy group did a show called God and Unauthorized Biography. <laughs> okay, sweet. That sounds good. Uh, two angels decide to go on the fringe circuit to spread the word of God because clearly no one's listening. And right. that's where the intelligentsia are are on the fringe circuit. Right, so gotcha. this is the way to influence the world. All right. And God says, huh, okay, but I get to direct, I get to write, <laughs> and he screws with them, and he screws with them, and he screws with them. And they go out in the road, and he keeps screwing with them until mm. they say, screw you, God, we're doing it on our own. Right. And success. And the the metaphor was, it. there comes a point, work with Wes Borg on this, uh, and Wes Borg said, there comes a point with your children when you need them to say no to you. Mm. It's it's just part of their evolution. It's hard, yeah. But there comes a point where they have to learn to say no, even to you. Sure. And that was the metaphor here. So basically, what we did was just took Western theology, flipped on its ass, and said, "Yeah, but what if it's actually like this?" And we did French show, toured it across Canada, oh, nice. had a blast, was great. And nice. so since then, I've been thinking we got to do the other side of the coin. We've got to see what happens uh, in the underworld. <laughs> oh, and that okay, idea okay. has been in my head since '98. I love it. Okay, great. Wow. So flash forward to six or seven years ago when we're trying to get this film produced, yeah, yeah. and I realize I have to post my own profile. I'm like, let's write a web series. Me write a web series, not let's write. I'm writing a web yeah, series. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to write my own star vehicle, do my own vanity project. Right, it's right. about time. Absolutely. So how do I write something that's small enough that if we have to shoot it out of pocket, and we were thinking we're going to have to shoot this out of pocket, how do I write it small enough so it's affordable to do that, but it's still interesting, but it has deeper themes and meanings and all this, these bigger world and universe and philosophy concepts that I've got going and not in a didactic way but they just inform it and as you watch it these things start slowly unpacking right, in an right. accessible way but I want it it's got to be cheap yeah you'll shoot it in offices you know there's always offices around right, we yeah, can of get course, offices especially right now yeah. well yeah <laughs> um, of course I wish the me of now had talked to the me of then and said okay this is not as easy as you think right but course. that's okay it never is live and learn um 
And yeah, it's I just came up with the whole concept of necessary evil. Cool. And but we skipped over oh the the voice acting stuff. Where did that? Oh, run? Okay, In and that- I noticed on your IMDb we both we we're both alumni of a little series called Mentors. <laughs> My oh, very yes. first acting appearance ever. Really? Uh, in the background. <laughs> yeah, ditto, ditto. <laughs> yeah, uh, I actually this is right out of college. As I'm saying, I'm going to be an actor. Right, right. Look at me being famous. Yeah. Um, finally landed an agent. They submitted me for mentors as background and my car got paid more than I did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. My car made 25 bucks and I made 20 <laughs> for wow. a half day. Amazing. Yes. So I did, <laughs> I did a background in mentors and then because I had also, um, in theater school, uh, we had some, uh, stage combat training. Okay. Right. So I started developing that farther. Right. And thanks to that, uh, in Mentor's fifth season, I got to be the Black Knight. Aha, uh-huh, yeah. In the I, King I Arthur saw it. It, looks, it looks more, so you were like a guest star kind of. Guest star. I mean, that's, that's, that very sounds really generous answer. of you. Let's go with that. Sure. <laughs> All right, great. Sure. But it was like, were you the villain of the role, of the, of the episode, I should say? No. No? Okay. <laughs> King Arthur gets brought forward into time. Okay. And uh, they take him to a, 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 what do you call it, when you have the... <sighs> The people that dress up in the medieval armor and they oh, have a uh, fair, like a, yeah, and they Renaissance have, fair, a Renaissance yeah. fair, yeah, yeah, an indoor Renaissance fair. Okay, and so there's these fights happening, you know, just the SCA sort of fights, sure, but, sure. but everyone's in great armor and whatnot. Right, right, right. And uh, because I had fight training, I was able to get on there, and I was the Black Knight who was beating all the contestants. Uh-huh, and then Arthur uh-huh. said, "Oh, well, I have to do this," and he walks in and wipes the destroys floor with me, destroys <laughs> me. Yes, so. Uh, and then a scene later, I'm in my civvies, and I say, hey, good fight. I'm a dentist. If you ever need your teeth done, and I give him a business card. <laughs> Sweet. Very cheesy. Nice. And he's like, what is this dentist? <laughs> I, yeah. Um, and he is now on uh, the spinoff show from Vampire Diaries. What's the oh, spinoff really? show called? The Royals? No, the Originals. Uh, the Originals? Yeah, I, he's I don't one know. of the Originals. Wow, cool. Yeah. That's crazy. He's done well. Huh. Bugger. Is he a local guy? Is he right? No. Oh, okay. Yeah. No. Mentors would, would always would bring, bring their stars in, yeah, yeah. from yeah, Toronto, yeah, or, yeah. Toronto or whatever. Even though apparently I heard a rumor the casting director saw me at my audition and I had long hair then. Yeah. And she said, well, this guy could play Arthur. Yeah, totally. Yeah, but no one knows who he is, so yeah. we won't cast him. Of course. Him. Of course. And, and it's the same problem. No one knows who I am. Dude, I'm yeah. i build my own yeah. profile. So uh, true. Yeah. And I'm not... I'm... Here I am talking about myself for forty five minutes, and I'm about to say I'm I'm too humble. <laughs> right, but I'm 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 not a Randy no, booster. That's I need what this podcast be. is about. We're all too humble. We're all bad about promoting ourselves, right? So that's right. Like the people that I've met doing this, it's insane. You know, Adam Scorgi lives in this town. He's one of the first filmmakers to raise over two hundred thousand dollars on Kickstarter uh, for a film, and that right. was like before you know the the uh, Kristen Bell's uh, mm. movie and all. Like so. We have some amazing people in this province, so it's mm-hmm. okay on this show to talk about yourself. <laughs> That's very kind. You can still remain humble. Yeah. By the way, I'm awesome. I just thought I'd let <laughs> right, you know. Right, right. Um, okay. And I'm, I'm pretty good at everything I Perfect. do. Perfect. All right, yes. great. Well, I'm yes. glad we have you on the show. Stunning. Good looking. Face for radio. <laughs>
Hey everyone, just want to check in and talk to you about the Calgary Film Center. If you haven't heard, the Calgary Film Center is a world-class screen-based production facility suitably equipped and serviced so you can execute your next project with ease. They have 50,000 square feet of purpose-built sound stages and 25,000 square feet of multi-purpose warehouse and workshop spaces, complemented by their anchor tenant, William F. Whites, Canada's oldest and largest provider of professional motion picture, television, digital media, and theatrical production equipment. At the Calgary Film Centre, their aim is to deliver production support for local, national, and international screen industry projects. As well, the Calgary Film Centre delivers programs to engage and support innovation and excellence in the film and television industry. Find out more at calgaryfilmcentre.com. Now let's head back to Matt's conversation with Randy. So, uh, mentors, what about the voice acting stuff? The voice got acting quite a few stuff. credits there. Uh, yeah, I've got a handful. Yeah. Um, I started chasing that down. Okay. Um, and what's that like in Edmonton? I know a voice actor in Calgary, but what's the... what's the? Lean. Yeah. Uh, Chinook Animation does some work up here and okay. in Calgary. Right. I used to be driving down to Calgary to do auditions yeah. and then to do work, and uh, oh. then they opened up here. Oh, that, I didn't um, know they did that. That's great. Yep. Uh, it's, it's challenging to do here. Uh, I was... Getting a bit of work for a while, and yeah. then I didn't get work, and I don't know if that's because uh, I was terrible to deal with as a human being, because <laughs> as I'm sure you can tell sitting yeah, across clearly. from me, or they just like, uh, we've heard this voice a few too many times, we need to move on for a while. Right, right, right. And again, I didn't I didn't chase it hard enough. Right. So I didn't keep pursuing it, and and because I was trying to do everything all of at course, once yeah, and not yeah. making money doing anything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I remember building my own studio for doing my own voice work. Oh, I, really? I bought clips and blankets and quilts and a mic and a digital input and all these wow. things probably spent about fourteen, fifteen hundred dollars oh finally got a gig and i'm like okay and i'm recording in my own studio and i send it in and they go great here's 25 bucks <laughs> sort of like well it's i do very that hard. 700 more times and i might make- exactly <laughs> it's very hard not yeah. to throw my mic out the window and it was an expensive yeah. mic so i uh, still have it that was years ago right, that right. was 15 years ago i got that <laughs> mic and i still have it and it still works nice. but i use it for things like this i don't right. use it for or i use it when we do teleconferencing on my computer because right, it's right. good sound but um, what were the shows they look like big shows that uh like kids animated shows kids yeah. animated yeah. shows and it was it was a lot of stuff that had been done in japan and was finally being translated for english so okay. it was all cool. dubbing cool not prelay because oh, so dubbing. There's prelay. Prelay is gold because you don't have to match your mouth movements. Prelay you, means they haven't animated yet. Exactly. I see. Okay. So and you sit in a room with the other actors, all at their mics, oh, and amazing. you get to play off oh, them. You get to awesome. create your yeah. character, and it pays more, and it's easier. <laughs> right. Dubbing. You're conforming. You're, you're in the studio, tiny little studio, probably too hot. You have a headset on your mouth. You have a mic. Uh, you have a, a music stand in front of you. You have a mic in front of you. You have a TV monitor in front of you. Okay, yeah, yeah. You're all in front of you. The mic stand can't reflect your voice into your mic because then you get an echo. So you have to make sure your head's at the right angle so that you can see what's on the page. But you can also see the animation as it's going by and make sure you're matching your lip flaps to their lip flaps. Brutal. Meanwhile, there's a guy in a window to your side who is the technician in the Vancouver's in your headset or the, the director's in your headset from Vancouver. Right. And... It pays less and is way harder. <laughs> My very first line, I got to play Gashikura in uh, Flame of Rekka. Okay. And it was both the best and the worst character to ever do. Okay. It was the best character to do because he had a mask. Ah. You couldn't oh, see so his you mouth. Do whatever you wanted. <laughs> you just Perfect. had to have it within the time. Oh, fantastic. That it didn't cut to another thing. Right, right, right. But it was one of those shows based on uh, tournament fights. Okay. Right? Teams fighting each other in tournaments. Okay. 
and I had to name, I can't remember if it was the other team or my team, but all the names are Japanese. Oh. So I had They're to get all the characters. syllables right. Oh. No. I had to get the pronunciations and the syllables Ouch. right. Japanese, as a rule, takes up more syllables to say the same thing. For sure. So, or no, or takes up fewer. Oh, fewer. So when you're saying it in English, you gotta cram it in there. Right. Because Japanese is a more creative, colorful oh, right, right. language, gotcha. so there's more nuance in the words. Gotcha. That doesn't translate to English, so mm. you have to put some more words in. I see. But you have to keep it tight. Ugh. My first line, which might have been two sentences, took me 25 minutes oh to God. record. Ugh. Brutal. Because it was either too long or too short, or I missed one of the pronunciations of the five Japanese names. Like, it just kept flipping and flipping, oh, no. and, and finally got it. Um, and it was a lot of fun. Uh, I yeah. got to play that. I got to play an, an old man character. Sweet. Um, crazy, dirty, perverted little old man that's <laughs> actually a fire dragon. Oh, okay. Um... You just sold me on this show now. <laughs> it's kind of neat. Yeah. It's kind of neat. Yeah. Um, and then I got to play in one of the main characters in Dice. Yes, that's the one which I'm saying, yeah. no one had ever heard. Like, right. the thing is, I say, yeah, I've done some voiceover stuff. Really? I'm like, what have you done? Right. And I'll go to conventions. And what have you done? I'll list everything I've done. And they go, yeah, never heard of it. <laughs> Damn. And these are anime fans. And they're like, hmm. Right. I feel nope. like I've I feel like I've heard of Dice before though, and I'm have not you? a big anim anime fan. Okay, cool. I've, I feel like I've seen it somewhere. Yeah, cool, awesome. Yeah. I have a fan. Right. Yay! <laughs> there you go. Uh, and then I got to do uh, Mega Man Maverick Hunter X. Ah, okay. Cool. I'm. Um, who's the big gorilla? I don't know. Who's the big gorilla? I never remember this because this was years ago. But okay. it's one of the guys that you fight. And theoretically, if you're fighting the monsters in the right order to get the power ups to fight the next monsters, I'm one of the first you should fight. So this is a video game. Video game. Oh, yeah. cool, cool. Yep. Awesome. That's and I think I'm also the guy. I know I recorded it, so maybe they used it, maybe they didn't. It says Mega Man, Maverick Hunter X. Oh, really? That's at cool. the splash screen. You don't you didn't track down the game and buy it when you're in it? No. <laughs> oh man, I, I I couldn't resist. Uh it, <laughs> no, because I it both would have been cool and then would have been really disappointing because I'm like that's it? <laughs> right, yeah, I'm the this, first character. I'm one true, of the yeah. easiest ones to beat. I that always, sucks. <laughs> I always feel so bad when, when we'll, we'll hire actors or, or even like non-actors for corporate video or whatever. Yep. And they'll have spent hours with us and then they'll see the finished product and it was like, that, that, that was it? That it was, was me? Three seconds? Like, oh, yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. <laughs> and then I just recently, um, German development company that did Enderall, which is a German mod for Skyrim. Okay. Yeah, the friend of mine was doing most of their voices for them, so cool. he said, do you want to do it? There's no pay on this one, but you'll be an Enderall. Nice. And I'm like, sure, cool. whatever. I did three voices, they only use one of them. And then a friend of mine, Trevor Duvall, who is, he's from here, but then he went to Vancouver for voicing, and then he went to LA for voicing. He's now the voice of Marvel's animated Rocket Raccoon. Whoa, holy. Yeah, That's cool. he's got a couple hundred IMDb credits. Amazing. He's I think he's um, the Emperor in Star Wars Lego. Oh, wow. Like, he's Damn. in F is for Family. He's he's done a lot of stuff. Cool. He's done a couple characters in My Little Pony. Oh, wow. He was in Transformers. He was in wow, X-Men. He's Huge stuff, Like, yeah. he's doing great stuff. He's huh. coming back for Necessary Evil. He's one of my characters. Oh, wow, he's coming back just to play with us, which awesome. is great. Uh, Trevor played the game. Loved it. Saw right. the credits go by and sent me a text immediately and said, You were an Enderol? <laughs> I'm like, uh... I think I was, yes. <laughs> was it good? He's like, it's awesome. Nice, nice. So, cool. That's cool. So, I did some voicing that way. But right, right. 
but it's it's hard to chase it in this market, and you mm. have to keep chasing it. And right, right. my moving target of what I wanted to do and what I wanted to be was, like I said, a moving target. Right, so, right. and and also tied in with the how am I going to make this sustainable? How am I going to make money? How am I going to pay my bills? How am I? I'm not interested in the starving artist lifestyle. Right. I'm right. not. No, of course. Yeah. It was romantic when I was 20. I'm sure. not 20 anymore. <laughs> it's not as fun. Yeah. Not as fun. Yeah. So. That's why the communications thing worked really well. And that grew out of graphic design, and then graphic design informed graphic design. And like, why are you saying this? Why do you feel this needs to be on a poster or a handbill right. or a flyer? Yeah. Why? That's and doing so some cool. of my yeah. own research huh. and some behavioral economics study. And then the fact that I was telling stories on stage and a little bit on film. And then I was starting to create my own. And I was like, this is all just storytelling. But if the audience doesn't care about your story, then it doesn't matter how good the story is, they're not going to listen. So right, how do right. you make your story in such a way that your audience cares too? Right. What is the deeper meaning of the story? What is it really <laughs> yeah. about? Because this is what you think it's about, but what is it really about? Right. The, the two heroes, or the two... The two journeys. Um, the hero's journey? The hero's yeah. journey. Well, the, it was written based on the hero's journey. It's two uh, screenwriters talking about their interpretations of the hero's journey. Right, okay. I think it's called The Two Journeys. Okay, cool. Um, great little session that was recorded, and I've listened to that several times. Cool. Like, oh, okay, the inner goal and the outer right, goal, yeah, yeah, yeah. and how they play against each other. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Unfortunately, all of that has gone into what's happening in Necessary Evil. Right. So, ostensibly, Necessary Evil is about a low-level demon working in literal corporate hell and the cubicle seas of data entry. Right. Who gets a call to the top office, which is usually a fatal warning, but finds out that Lucifer has resigned and promoted him to CEO. Oh, wow. Okay. So, he's got to figure out why. He's got to figure out what to do. Right. He thought the... Or, or, uh, the corporation was dysfunctional when he was a data entry demon. Right, right. Now he sees more of it. It's really broken. Right, right, right. Uh, there are more powerful executive corporate demons who didn't even know he existed uh -huh. and now, and thought the job was locked down. Oh, for them, yeah. Uh, or no, thought the job was, it was oh, never not going to be Lucifer. It wasn't changing. And of now course. suddenly, well, this guy can get hired. I should be able to get hired. Ah, and I yes. want his job and preferably over his dead body. <laughs> right. So he's got new enemies and he finds out there is something also deeper in the infrastructure of how hell and the universe works that's really broken and needs to be fixed and he is completely out of his depth and so it's a zero to hero story right um it's sort of if joss whedon tried to combine supernatural and the office right that's sort of my gotcha. pitch and framing <laughs> nice um and I'm, that's I'm, funny because he did an episode that was a little bit spooky one yes time. <laughs> yes exactly yeah. uh so yeah so that's the and and the, the the real heart of the story, what what is this really about? Mm. Is making the right choice versus the easy choice. Okay, cool. Which are almost always in conflict, right? And this sounds awesome. That's how corporations become dysfunctional, but that's also how worlds become dysfunctional, right? And the reason it's here's a here's a here's a uh, uh, spoiler, not really a spoiler, but a tip for your listeners. Exclusive news. Exclusive news. <laughs> <All right. laughs> the reason it's called necessary evil. Is because one of the things that was way back when I'd done the Fringe show and said, okay, well, why do demons exist? Mm. Why is, you know, what the, uh, if you're familiar with the problem of evil? No. Which is a, a theological question. If God is omnipotent and good, why does How he let bad exist? things happen right. to good people? Right. Why does evil exist? Right. Either God is not omnipotent or God is not good. Right. What? What's the deal? There's a problem here. Yeah. yeah. There's a problem. The yeah. problem of evil. Yeah. Um, and I came up with a solution. 
taking again the 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 stories of Western theology and saying, okay, this is this is what we've heard and this is what we've been told and this is what we know. No, right. air quotes again. Um, okay, and 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 this this sort of reinterpretation. Some of the best fiction that I like to read where people say this is the story you know but here's actually what's really happening mm. and so when you see it you're going to see the things you already see and you're going to assume it's because of A, B, and C Right. it's actually because of D, E, and F uh-huh. yes. it still looks the same way but the real story going on There's is completely subtext, yeah. different than you thought Right. and I wanted to do that with the universe cool, and cool. western theology Interesting. and I found a way to explain why good things happen to bad people Ah. In this theology, and I changed some things around, so that's why it's called that's, Necessary Evil, because right. evil is necessary, and if we get far enough in the series, you'll find out why. Okay, cool. That's yeah. exciting. Awesome. Yeah. So how did how did you end up getting, uh, like, was the story have opportunity, the thing that was like, okay, I'm going to go for that. That's that's how we're going to get this on film for the first time. Yes. Um, okay. I had written the 15 episodes, wasn't sure how I was going to do it. Uh, but it was like, okay, one of the hardest parts is done. Now it's written. Right. We could, we could shoot this. Right. I, uh, go to, uh, Story World oh, workshop. Yeah, from uh, Ampia. The Story from Ampia. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Story World. Uh, three and a half years ago, yeah. something like that. Sounds about right. Story Hive's a sponsor. They say, hey, get $10,000 to shoot the first episode of a web series. If you win the second round, get 50000 to shoot the rest of it. Right, it's like, right, oh. Right. That's more money than Perfect. I thought I was going to spend. Dude, and that was true for all of us. Like, that that, yeah. that piece of money appearing is, um, I mean, I always say I feel like, I mean, I haven't been doing this for too long, but I don't know that there's been a better time for filmmakers exactly. to find money in Alberta ever. Yep. Yep. Yeah. At least certainly starting filmmakers. Yeah, yeah. Right? Uh, to their credit, tell us is, okay, Siri suddenly got oh, started and is recording Siri's everything. Recording. Siri, <laughs> screw you, Just Siri. Just for the podcast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> It's going to have a lot of typos. Um, <laughs> to their credit, Telus has has is probably doing more for starting and intermediate filmmakers in Alberta and BC than any other organization, totally. including yeah. the government. It's unbelievable. Right? Yeah. It's yeah. great. It's great. Yeah. Um, I used to complain about all cell phone companies, and now I'm like, I can't complain about Telus. Right. Of they, course, yeah. Look, look how yeah. much they've helped me. Yeah. I I became a Telus subscriber because I was like, wow, they're giving back. I mean, I'm gonna get TV. I should get the company right. that's supporting new filmmakers. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, I went to the Story World, Story World Quest. I think is what it was. Yeah. Called. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That yeah. sounds right. Yeah. Um, I think they've evolved the name a little since then, yeah. but still, it's about creating story well, worlds. It, it became March right? Madness or something like that. It, it, just that the yeah. listeners are interested. Ampi always has these kinds of events, and or at least every year. Um, so yes. it has been called March Madness, but it may change again. So I think March Madness was on top of this. Oh, in addition to okay. yes, yes, this oh, was a special conference. Is this what of kind of became Story Summit? The yeah, I believe event? that's yeah, that what makes it sense. is. Okay, cool. yeah, this was right. the origin of Story right. Summit because they've yeah. done that two years running now. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. So. I hear about this StoryHive grant. I'm like, oh, sure. It sounds pretty easy to apply. Yeah, right. And it's due in four days. <laughs> and you have to make a pitch video. And you have to make a pitch video. Yeah. And with my day job, uh, that's going to be a I challenge. I was, well, we were already over, like, when you work for a company at 5 o'clock or 4.30 or whatever, you can punch out, walk home, and forget the company exists. The right. building can light on fire. It's not your problem. Sure. When you own your own company... It never leaves. Right, right. And there are days, as owning my own company, I can sleep until 10 or 11 sure. and not answer the phone till sure. noon. And there are days when it's Friday at midnight in my office and I'm going, okay, just another hour of work and I can take yeah. 
and I can make tomorrow less work, yep, for even sure. though it's Saturday. <laughs> so that's a trade-off. This right. was one of those weeks. Oh, no. We were pulling all days and all evenings and a couple all-nighters, Ugh. and I had to do a story high pitch. <laughs> Am I mental? Am I insane? Do I hate myself that I do? I did. Right. So I did and it. And you did it. Wow. And I got into the first round. Unbelievable. Shot the pilot. Didn't get into the second round. Okay. Eh. Uh, a couple of years later, the um, digital short edition came out. Yeah, yeah. And I thought, or one year later. Yeah. And I thought, okay, build the universe out. Uh, let's do let's do a mockumentary about shooting a recruiting video. Oh, okay. Having seen Google's recruiting video, sure, HubSpot, sure. Starbucks, yeah, all yeah, these yeah. very they're funny, yeah. Template videos. <laughs> yeah. About the culture with the plucky guitar stock music right, in the background. Right, yeah. Um, so I wrote a mockumentary about a behind-the-scenes capture of trying to create a recruiting video. In that world. In, in the, that world. That's cool. So the executives are trying right. to put this together. There's uh, Hades is putting it together, which All is right. Trevor Duvall's character. Okay. Because uh, he's the head of HR. Okay. And so we got to do recruiting. Mm-hmm. He's the client. Uh, the creative agency has a creative director. Right. And having run, at that point, I wasn't doing communications consulting so much as I was doing marketing and advertising. So right. I'm like, I know this stuff. I right. know this world. Right. And then there was a director who had all these crazy ideas, but the client requested, and they were asking for completely different things. So it's right. a story of this poor, poor creative director trying to pull all this together, <laughs> and it's just going south. And so so true of that world at times. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, Joel Terrace was our creative director, and he got a Rosie nomination for oh, it. Oh, wow. Awesome. Yeah. That's cool. So that was awesome. Nice. Um, and we also, it was the most confusing shoot ever because we also shot the video itself. So we've also got the three-minute recruiting oh. <laughs> video, which is She's Alicious with great. the plucky music. Nice. And, uh, so, but we had we had a film crew. And then on camera, we had another film crew that was made up of demons, but a demon camera a demon. operator and a <laughs> right. demon sound of guy. Course, and yeah, demons, yeah. you know, all doing this, right. catching the video. Right. And so we shot that video too. But we also had a behind-the-scenes crew. Oh, so we had so people like, filming the people who were filming the people, people. filming the people. <laughs> nice. So we had three different units. It was the most meta, confusing thing ever. And does everybody have horns that are on camera? That are not everybody. Not everybody. Everybody's okay. everybody in hell is a demon. There are right. no humans in hell. So you could look but, like a normal human, but you're a demon. Um, we try not. We try to make sure that no one looks like a normal human. Okay. But this isn't an effects showcase. Right. Of course. Uh, yeah. I from the beginning, this was supposed to be like. The original Star Trek forehead of the month club. Okay. Right? You're, right. you're just... Okay, clearly you're not human. Right. But <laughs> what is important with this is when you see these characters, the first thing you need to notice is like, oh, I've worked with that guy before. I know. <laughs> right. yeah, I've yeah, worked yeah. with him. That's he the sat beside me yeah, for... Yeah. The second thing you notice is, oh, and he's a demon. Right. So gotcha, it's got to be gotcha. a very authentic world. And gotcha. what is demonic and hellish about hell is not fire and brimstone it's corporate go-forward strategies that move the needle with synergies. Synergy, it's yeah. <laughs> bureaucracy, right, right, right. creating bureaucracy to extend the bureaucracy. Right, right. It's <laughs> it's multiple redundancies. It's everything. It's why people call corporations corporate hell. This is just to the extreme. Because right. if you're in the underworld and you're Lucifer and you want to take over the underworld right. from all these other uh, underworld entities like other mythologies or or Cthulhu, or whatever, whoever right. else. Sure. What's the best structure to do that? Corporation. Of course. <laughs> and then you either do 
friendly acquisitions or hostile takeovers of everybody else, and then you build your empire. Right. So that's what hell Man, llp is like that's that i i hope we get to see more of this world because you have built it out so well this is exciting so uh what's the next step with uh with, we with are idea? in pre-production to shoot the first six episodes we got more funding from telus fantastic and so we're shooting through the first through the story hive but through 100K? the through the yes oh yeah. congratulations yeah, that's thank awesome you. thank you awesome um and the thing is, and I, sh- I should know this because I, I know enough people in film who've worked on various scales of budgets. The money you get to shoot a film is always almost enough. Yeah. No matter <laughs> it's what. It's never enough. <laughs> yeah. It'll get you through and production it's never and then you're too like, oh, much. Yeah, I have to do post-production now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or, oh, so here's what we can pay. Mm-hmm. And being the executive producer, showrunner, star, writer... Partial location scout, uh, and social media designer and community manager. I get paid last, right? Of course. So oh, if yeah. anything needs more money, it comes out of the meager amount I set for myself, of and course. that meager amount is already zero. <laughs> Are getting there? Yeah. Well, no. I, I think. I think. I think I might get some money. We should always try to pay ourselves, but. Um, everyone else in the shoot, except the volunteers, will make more than me. And depending on how the shoot goes, the volunteers will make more than me because right, right. they won't be paying out of pocket to do it. And leaders eat last, right? I mean, if you're exactly, yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, an interesting thing about what you just said about we should always try to get paid. Mm-hmm. And this is a philosophy I've had for a number of years, and finally put it into words. I think we should always get paid for every project that we do. But the definition of paid is what is personal right um there are a couple people in town that i would work with anytime they say hey come do my thing i, I don't even need to read the thing i love them i love their of work course, yeah. it's so much fun i know who else they're gonna cast i know it's gonna, gonna be get good. involved it's yeah. gonna be it's just gonna be fun to be there for sure yeah uh i'll work with them for free because i'm getting paid by the experience of course yeah people say well, you're paid with experience yeah. i'm like no 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 no. <laughs> i know what this experience is like i will have two or three or four right. great fun days totally yeah it's not about the resume or the real. It's exactly. about the it's experience. It's about being on the shoot. And or, I, think, I think that's a great way of looking at it because in Alberta, you know, unfortunately, like it or not, the things we make here just don't get the widest audience. I mean, they, as, thanks to Telus, they're getting seen a lot better, I think. They are. But, uh, but you know, you're not going and you're not going to be in a movie theater. You're not going right. you know, to be. I mean, possibly eventually. You never but, know. Yeah. But it's a numbers game. Yeah, Hollywood sure. is a numbers game. For Hollywood sure, yeah. is not run by directors and artists. It's run by accountants. How do I get my money back? Yeah. And. Simple accounting on business, and that's that's the, the discussion in Alberta about film has got to be less about culture and more about business case. Right, it really does. Totally. And the business case, I've always wanted to do this: print up a ten playing cards, and one of them has a cent on it, and one of them has five cents on it, one of them has ten cents on it, one has twenty-five. Okay. Um, a couple of them have like ninety-five or dollar, dollar five, somewhere in that range, sure. and one has twelve bucks on it. Oh. And I want to hold these cards, shuffle them face down, and say, okay, you're a producer. Uh, you can buy these cards for a dollar a piece. Now, I'll show you what the values are on them. Right. Do you want to buy one of them? The risk of buying one is, like, most of those cards, I'm going to spend a buck and get 70 cents. A That's fraction. stupid. Yeah, yeah. But if I buy all 10, I'll get the $12 card. For sure. So I will make my money back in a profit. Net gain. Net gain. Because you're mitigating the risk by having a slate 
Right. Instead of just one Absolutely. or two and putting Absolutely. all your ducats in one basket and saying, let's make it rich. For sure. That's the scale that Hollywood works at. That's yep. the scale that the, any bigger industry works at. That's the scale that makes it a business case. Mm-hmm. That's the scale that small business works at. How right. many small businesses fail in their first two years? Yeah, that's a, a crazy number, right? Them. Yeah, it's a huge number. And yet there's venture capitalists who are saying, I'm going to fund these. And I'm going to lose on some of them. Yeah. But because I fund enough of them, the one that really takes off will make up for all those losses. Yeah, one of them might be Microsoft. One of them yeah, might exactly. be Apple. Yeah, yeah. So film's got to be approached the same way. That mm-hmm. business case needs to be made. So true. Yeah. And so we work so hard to get some government support and some community support and buy-in for one project. Mm-hmm. And we spend a buck and we get 80 cents out of it. And they yeah. say, well, we're never doing that again. That didn't work yet. Giving it's up like, on that. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, this is the Blumhouse model, right? Like, the guy yes. who produces Get Out and Whiplash, he's made a ton more movies that you haven't heard about and, and didn't yep. make any money, but those ones paid for everything else. Exactly, and, and more. Yeah. Right? So that's that's the conversation that hopefully we can have. Because if you could make a business case both to government uh, and to the business community, and it's, it's hard in Alberta, and I get it. In mm-hmm. Alberta, you invest... In concrete things. You right. invest in oil companies or oil service companies that buy equipment. And if the company goes out of business, you can reclaim and liquidize, liquidate that equipment and right. get some of your loss back. Sure. Right. Yeah. It's a thing. It's nice that way. Yeah. Um, you invest in farming. They've got to buy tractors. They've got to buy seed. Equipment, they've land, got to buy land. Yeah. All this mm-hmm. stuff. Sure. If it goes south, you can sell it off, get some of that back. Right. It's a thing. Not as you big a risk. You can invest in real estate. Right. Oh, I would... Challenge that not as big a risk <laughs> right. thing. All these things can have huge of risks. Of course, of course, yeah. Um, you, real but estate, at least there's an out where you get something where you can't sell those things. Well, yeah, yeah. And, and what you're putting money into is going to create a physical thing. Right. In film, you're putting money into pixels. Right, yeah. But those pixels can be sold and sold and resold and resold over and over For again. Sure. And sure. the earning potential, the risk is a little higher. Mm-hmm. Not going to lie. But the potential reward is commensurately... I think this that's the word. True. I'm going to use it in a sentence. I think it's, yeah. Also <laughs> higher. Totally. Hey, that's a good point. Yeah, you can sell the tractor once and then maybe sell yes. the same tractor again, but you can sell the one copy of a, of a movie over and over and over again yeah. endlessly, theoretically. A million times. Yeah, yeah. And if your profit on that is only a buck and you spent $750,000 yeah. shooting it, guess what? You made money. Do it again. Totally. And the and like you say, the, uh, the, the uh, impact or the... I mean, government support is either directly related to economic impact or cultural impact, right? Yes. And so if we can measure those two things, we know, well, in government, in a government perspective, we've been successful if we've had a cultural impact. But that doesn't lend itself to the idea of like, no, we need to invest in 10 films. And one of them is going to do it really great. And yeah, the other problem with, with framing it as cultural impact is different governments have different points of, of view on that. Yeah, and they and change. And what is the first thing to cut if things get tight? Right. Arts, yeah. Arts and culture. Of course, yeah. Uh, my one... The, the new screen-based production grant has some pros and cons. One of the deeper cons, I think, that, that's not immediately apparent but is problematic is the language. Mm. Because under three million, your project is called cultural. Right. Over three million, it's called corp- corporate. Or commercial. Or commercial, yeah. Commercial. Right. Commercial or cultural. And I'm like, okay, I get you have to have a threshold and you have to have tiers right. just to justify how the funding goes. And and from a government's point of view of we are how many billions in debt, we have to control spending somehow. Right. How do we come up with a program that supports our filmmakers but is accountable? Right. And 
It's not perfect, but I get the motivation behind all the decisions they made. A lot right. of them need to change, but I, I get where it came from structurally. Right. I'll give them that. Sure. Um, but, again, there's more than just this problem, but one of the problems is the language. I'm not going to be spending more than $3 million in the next five or six years, probably, right. unless, you know, Netflix says, oh, Necessary Evil, right. can you do another season? Yeah, Here's yeah. $30 million. go. Right. Right. Uh, be great. Sure. Not counting on that. I'm right. probably going to spend the next few years doing stuff in this range. Right. I'll be lucky if I hit $2 million three or four years from now. Sure. But I'm trying to make this a commercial enterprise. I'm trying to pay myself eventually. Yeah, of course, of course. I'm trying to pay other people. I'm and, trying yeah. to make a business case, economic totally. spinoff, etc. It is a business, and we forget that. Like there, there are, and you know, we're always looking, going after arts grants and things. Well, there are business grants that we as filmmakers should be looking at, and and even theater people should like see it as a business. And you're opening yourself up to a whole new world of finance and and possible, yeah. yeah and yeah. um, the, hopefully this isn't the plugging show because <laughs> they haven't given us any money. But right. uh, ATB, for instance, with their new cultural branch, yeah, uh, they're doing our bridge financing. Oh, because awesome. the stupid thing about film, as I'm sure your listeners either know or don't, yeah. Yeah. is that the grants that you get and the tax credits you get don't land until well after most of yes. your bills have to be paid. Yes, so you need to bridge finance totally. Yeah, every single thing. Unless you can do it out of your pocket, and right. that's sometimes unwise. You could do it with credit cards. Holy interest rates, Batman. <laughs> you can do better on interest. And, yeah. oh, wait a minute. That one payment you thought you were getting is being pushed another month. Yeah. And that extra month of interest is the last money you were going to make out yep. of it. Yep. So, nah, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um, uh, that is fantastic to hear. I, I had not heard that ATB had approved. I, I, I had heard people had approached them and got the no. But they're, they're working on it. That they're trying to see they how are. they can make it work. So that's great and to hear. Yeah. There's there's another film project in town that's a different funding structure that uh, ATB is doing bridge financing for. Cool. And they're doing it for us. Right. Which is great. Fantastic. Um. So they're they're and they are most of the people who work in that department spent their lives as artists. Right. Oh, so cool. they get that you don't Fantastic. have a mortgage on a half million dollar house. Right. And. Right. Two cars that are completely paid for right, right. and fifty thousand in the bank already. Yeah, they get that, right. and so they they're trying to work with that. And because ATB cool. is government owned, their definition of sustainable is different than a private bank. Right, right. Sustainable means highly profitable. Government means sustainable means okay. We got to return our investment, and it's fair, and we're paid, and we're not losing money with this. Right. It's it's a, it's a totally different ball of wax. So that's awesome. Some of these support things are coming into play. Um, Alberta has gone through so many cycles because I know people who've been in this industry since I was a kid. Yeah. Um, who have seen the swell up of, okay, let's support, let's do some things, let's try some stuff, let's do tax credits. We yeah. had tax credits in the 80s that brought a lot of film here. Okay. And then Klein came in and said, Alberta government will not use the words tax credit again because it's problematic. Whoa. And. Uh, fortunately, eventually they started coming up with the uh, Alberta Media Fund grants Grant, that got yeah. added back in. Right. But there are some filmmakers who say, no, make it all tax credits because tax credits are simple. They're formula. They trigger. Yeah. You know when they're coming. Yeah. It's done. Right. We can move on. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're these peaks and valleys have happened all the time in Alberta. And every time there's a valley, we lose a bunch of our talented people. And then we get to a peak and we build up some people. Some people actually come back to work here, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then we government changes or something changes, yeah. and we hit another valley, and they all leave. Right. So we're always fighting this, the the creative brain drain, right? And uh, it, it's 
I, I have a lot of hope for the potential of what's coming between ATB doing this, between uh, the Edmonton Screen Industries office. Yeah, yeah. Has a lot of potential, and I sure. like how they're trying to approach things. They have limited time, limited budget. Mm -hmm. How much will they get done? How fast will they get it done? We'll see. Yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna place bets on success or failure. Yeah, but it's hard to say. Okay, this time we've got it. Right. Right. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I was excited about the studio. I mean, the studio is a yeah. unfortunately and harder for Edmontonians to to use. But yeah, I'm really excited about that studio <laughs> you got down in your town. Um, but it is, I mean, it is a good sign mm -hmm. uh, for some, something that is permanent. Um, that you know is not going to go away, even if it fails. I mean, maybe it will, but uh, it's it's a lot harder to say. Okay, we're getting rid of the studio. Yeah. Um, but now there's a lot more incentive to like, let's really make the studio work. We've invested in all, all this money. Yes. In it. Yeah. So. And and once you've got that that level of buy-in, yeah, it helps for sure. And for the sure. thing is, you, you gotta you build a house brick by brick. You build an industry brick by absolutely, brick. Absolutely, absolutely. And that studio is a pretty foundational brick. That if it's going well enough, will help us here in Edmonton right. because Calgary will be busy. The studio is great. Yeah. And now we're full. Right. But Let's everybody's heard about how great it is in Alberta, and more right. co companies are coming up here to shoot. Yeah. And and not that all production should happen. Externally, I don't think no, our mix should all be service production. Course, yeah. But service production allows us to, like, if you get a couple good series happening, like here in Edmonton, if you have, if we had two fully funded series running every year, yeah, same time, or they just go, they dovetail back and forth right, with yeah. each other, that's half a year of work, right. of well-paid work. Right. All those crew members can then say, well, I did good. I've got my year's money. Yeah. I can now help indigenous creators, right. local creators, yep. that sort of thing. Yeah. I can do it on a dime or a shoestring, or I can right. get paid Absolutely. based Absolutely. on the experience or the fun or like working with these guys or I believe in the project or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And it's not going to hit my bottom line because I'm on a series. Right. And I made my year's money. For sure. And that is the sort of the structure that helps support the independence right. to come up with the necessary evils and right. the things like yeah, that yeah. Awesome. so that we can do them affordably, get them to that level of quality where people spend more attention, make more money, or, or uh, we can generate more money. Or maybe Hulu will say, huh, can we can we get this? Right. Yeah. Yes, you can. Absolutely. Yeah. Let's talk. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I I, I don't know what's happening now with I, I mean, Tiny Plastic Men was Edmonton series mm -hmm. that was that was was on Hulu. And, yeah. Um, yeah. We need more of that for sure. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And mm -hmm. and and we need to we need to keep making it a business case. Right. With the feature that we were trying to produce, we spent most of the three years trying to get this produced. We we had a few interested investors, which is great. We needed yeah. ten. Right. We were talking. We have some connections to people with a fair bit of income in this city. There, sure. there is no shortage of capital in Edmonton. It's true. There is a lot of money in this people city. People with money, for sure. So how do you make the business case to them? Okay, once you make the business case, how do you make it all legal? And right. where's the document that says, here's the share, here's the structure, right. here's the ownership, here's the payback. Yeah. It's been approved by a lawyer. It's been approved by an accountant. Right. I think I'm, I'm going to... Um, do whatever's possible to get on the, the advisory board for the ESIO and say, here's something you should do. Right. Yeah. Generate some money or some goodwill or call in some favors, whatever. Because every time we talk to someone to say, how do we put this thing together? They said, yeah, we could put it together. Cost about 60 grand. It's like, oh. 60 Ugh. grand. If we had quick access to 60 grand, we wouldn't, we wouldn't be, be looking going to you. for yeah. investors. Yeah. We wouldn't be going to you. Yeah. So that huge wall, if 
and and like like I say, ATB is trying to template on these different structures right. how to do bridge financing. Cool. Which is great. Yeah. Once that template is done, they're right. like, okay, you come in, either you you pass or fail the approval process, and if right. you do, here's how it happens. Perfect. Moving on. Yeah. Let's do the next one. Right. That's great. That's that's building the infrastructure that can allow people to to create this stuff. Right. If if the ESIO or someone involved could take a chunk of money, hire a lawyer, hire an accountant, and say, let us make a template document that allows Edmonton filmmakers to pursue private investment in movies. Right. There's a flexible aden- uh, um, uh, appendix of repayment schedules right, that right. they get to work out. We have sure. some guidelines, but work it out yourself. Sure. Obviously, all your investors are going to have to get their lawyers or accountants to approve it. But this template is fully legally solid. It's gone through an accounting process. It's a really good idea. This will work. Yeah. You can alter it for your own productions. I right. guarantee if they did that and just made it available to the Edmonton film community, within a year, we'd have three features shooting here. I, yeah, I think that's a really good point because it seems like more and more that's that's the final piece of the puzzle. Like we're starting yep. to get, okay, so StoryHive is a cool thing um, and there are other sources of financing, governmental or otherwise. Yeah. But it, we're, to get to across the finish line a lot of times, you you got to either put your own money in or find money. And, and yeah, it would be nice if there was a formalized process. That'd be amazing if it yeah. was just, yeah, just like here it is, the template. Yeah, that's that'd be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I hope you pursue that and let us know if you try. Right. I will. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I will. I would love that to be in place because yeah, yeah, yeah. while we were trying to put this film together, we had enough interest. We probably would have gotten two, maybe three of our investors would have said, yep, let's do it. And those, once you got two or three, other people go, oh, you want to invest in this? I don't know. Oh, you've already got two. Oh, who? Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here, like the dominoes start to fall. But then if it takes too much time, do you lose interest from the original people? It's like a whack-a-mole game, but if One you can of get the... them signed, yes. then it's a different story. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and the dominoes fall fast. Right. Um, One of those investors, because of their company, their income was a little bit in flux, and they sometimes had all their assets tied up in a project sure. they were doing, or they sure. sometimes were like, okay, we're between projects. We have some... Um, fluidity. fluidity. Yeah. We could we could do this now, right, right. And then by the time we're like, okay, I think we're ready to go, they're like, oh yeah, we can't now. Right. Next year, yeah. maybe. It's like, right. oh, if we had all those ducks in a row, right. we could have just started knocking them down. Yeah, we, yeah, I completely agree. We need to find a formalization of that process. Yeah, to make it easy and legal and safe for everyone, but mm-hmm. also to make it possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Cool. Well, I mean, this has been great. Uh, I, we, we've we've got lots of content. Which okay, good. Just good. Good. Um, where can people find more about you and see the episodes that that you'll be producing soon? Uh, I'm on IMDb. I've got okay. to really update that a little bit, but okay. um, necessaryevilseries.com. Okay, is the website. Great. Um, we're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. We've got to get on Twitter. That's okay. not my favorite platform. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. we've got to get there. Gotcha. So, Necessary Evil Series on Instagram, Necessary Evil Web Series on Facebook. Don't go to the other one. I mean, don't not go to the other one. I'm not crapping on them, but (laughs) they haven't done anything for a few years. We're in pre-production. We're shooting in less than two weeks. You're financed, yeah. yeah. We're financed, and this will be out on Telesoptic TV and on YouTube um, this summer. Awesome. The first six episodes. I, so, and like I said, I have Optic. I will watch it on, on Optic. Awesome. That's cool. awesome. You'll <laughs> yeah. see it all as one hour-long chunk. Oh, okay. That's how it's... Because they're doing... We, we have to do two edits. We have to do the, okay. the six episodes for right. YouTube. Right. And then the hour-long edits for, for TV. Optic. Cool. Yeah. 
That's awesome. All right. And but, but what about you personally? Websites or? Uh... Oh, I really need to do my website. <laughs> we all do. Uh, IMDb. We all. There's a little bit right. there. Okay, um, cool. You can type randybrzowski.com and get my about me page. Okay, cool. Great. Or just stalk me. And on Twitter. And on Twitter, Rand Wolven. Got it. Yes. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for the time. Thank you. Appreciate it. Cool. Yay. Yay. All right. That was an awesome conversation. Thank you, Randy, so much for uh, taking the time to sit down with Matt uh, at the wonderful Remedy Cafe in Edmonton a couple weeks ago. Um, I really like that one. That was, mm-hmm. that was awesome. Uh, so let's get back into the news you can use, uh, which is brought to you every week by Bleeding Art Industries. Uh, and they've got this great series. Uh, it's like a tips series. So this week's uh, Bleeding Art Industries hot tip is about your project's chain of title, which is the trail of documents that clearly shows the agreement's detailing ownership. So it's like a title on a house. It's your project's legal foundation. And if you want to sell your film, the trail uh, needs to be clear. Uh, so here are some pitfalls to unclear chain of title, such as poorly written or no deal memos, no legal counsel, no purchase price, and vague provisions. Investing in good legal advice upfront will save you money, time, and trouble in the long run. See all our hot tips at bleedingart.com. Uh, it's great to hear that kind of stuff, like how important legal counsel is when it's not coming from a lawyer, mm-hmm. because I think that's to me seems more like something that you can trust. Um, I just finished the chain of title for Plainview, um, and it's yeah, it's a bit complicated for sure. You have to basically outline everyone who's ever kind of had input on the script, and they have to say yes, this is what I did, um, and you know I release all of my claim to the script or any sort of the. And it feels like one of those things that like every filmmaker gets to and they're like what this what this yeah (laughs) yeah for sure um i was pretty fortunate that i and i think this is for a lot of people um for a feature at least it's part of um what you have to do before you get into production Mm. so when i was doing uh the chain of title for distribution just recently um Cass Scott gave That's me a right. gift. Do you remember that? Yes. I was like, oh my God, I have to do chain of title. And I was like, wait a minute, what's this chain of title document? Oh, I did this a year ago. So that was a nice gift. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah, more tips, obviously, at bleedingart.com. Check them out because uh, they, they have like supplemental videos that they, like last week we had a testing tip and they mm-hmm. they released a slow-mo video of, on Facebook of like blasting uh, somebody with this green kind of goo and like in slow-mo, it was awesome. Uh, so definitely check them out. So next, we're going to talk about some upcoming deadlines. The Lieutenant Governor of Alberta Arts Awards Foundation is seeking applicants from emerging professional artists for the 2018 Emerging Artist Awards. So the deadline for this one is February 9th. So that's That's only a couple days away. Um, So artists from all disciplines, including performing, visual, design, and literary arts are eligible to apply. Um, As usual, you'll find a lot more details in the links in the show notes, or you can go to artsawards.ca. Um, but there are up to 10 artists who will receive a $10,000 cash award and medal to be presented uh, by the medal. foundation's patron um, in Edmonton on June 1st. So the competition deadline is midnight on the 9th. So cool. I would head on online to artsawards.ca, check out all the details and get your application yeah. in. I, I did apply for this uh, and did not win a few years ago, maybe four years ago. Good story. Yeah. So next. Uh, anyway. Yep. No. <laughs> Keep going. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, sorry. No. <laughs> Obviously, I didn't win, uh, yeah. or else I would have a medal around my neck all the time. Um, but there is—you have—you do have to put like a demo reel together and stuff like that. So it's not just paperwork. So if you are interested, I would recommend uh, checking out sooner than later. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, uh, Edmonton uh, has an artist project grant, um, and they are intended to invest in these specific projects of individual artists and artist collectives as they pursue their artistic and professional advancement. So it's a little bit vague on what they are asking for, mm-hmm. um, but the 
the purpose of the of the grant is intended to support the activities of professional Edmonton artists for a specific time towards a specific project. Uh, so it can be an individual or collective and could include creation, research, development, curation, exhibition, or production of work in any art form, as well as professional development projects. So it's I think it's vague on purpose um, because they kind of want to see what people come up with. Mm-hmm. So this is cool. You found this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you can... How does it work? There's so, like two, there's three deadlines? Kind of. So they give out two smaller grants twice a year, and those deadlines are February 15th and September 15th, and those grants are $5,000, up, oh, okay. to $5, up to $5,000. Okay. And then they have a larger grants available, and that deadline's June 15th, and the larger grants are between $5,001 oh. and $25,000. Oh, okay, so, cool. So, oh, that's interesting. So the smaller grant deadline is coming up. Right, right away. away. So that one's February 15th. Cool. Uh, and link, it's a qu- quite a convoluted link to that, uh, but you can check it out in the show notes or visit grants.edmontonarts.ca. Uh, so the AFA Film and Video Arts Scholarship uh, was established in 2012, and it's a $5,000 scholarship awarded annually to a young Albertan film and video artist who shows extraordinary talent in a film and video arts form and who demonstrates clear educational or training goals. Um, so the application deadline is March 1st, and uh, full details will be in the link in the show notes. Very cool. Uh, there's one event coming up, which is uh, a music supervision roundtable. So Alberta Music is offering music supervision roundtables discussions in both Edmonton and Calgary this week. Uh, they're coming right up. So uh, the upcoming Download YEG and Download YYC in sync events, not like the band, I wish, uh, will cover topics including how you to get know. ones. What? You don't know. I don't know. Maybe they are. Maybe they'll be there. Uh, Jesse will be there for sure, though. Uh, so they'll cover topics including how to get one's music featured in TV shows and films. Uh, will, the, the participants will be music supervisors from around Canada discussing how to pitch and what types of music are in high demand. Uh, Edmonton's will take place on February 6th at 6.30 p.m. at the Almanac. And the Calgary event will take place February 7th at 6.30 p.m. at the Unicorn. So, um, yeah, if you're a composer uh, or you're into music for film and stuff, this is, this is a cool event to, yeah. to kind of check out. Uh, You can check out more at albertamusic.org. And now on to upcoming screenings. Spotlight Productions' feature documentary Living Proof opens across North America this weekend following its recent screening at Hot Doc's Ted Rogers Cinema. The documentary explaining the politics surrounding MS was an official TIFF selection and an audience favorite winner at SIF. Director Matt Embry's film will screen several times at Edmonton and Calgary's Landmark Cinemas before feature presentations in Vancouver, St. Paul, Buffalo, and Ottawa. Damn, uh, I'm so jealous. Someone gets a, a film into a theater, like a theater run is just, it's like the crown jewel. And Landmark seems to really be... Yeah, super supportive yeah. of local uh, independent films too. Um, and they just have the best seats. Oh, man. Yeah, did you guys talk about the one opening at Market Mall No, last we week? didn't. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's a new Landmark a- Cinema. A new Landmark Cinema is opening up in Calgary uh, near Market Mall. I don't know... They need to fix the parking situation, I think, too. I don't right. understand. It's hard enough to at park at the mall, mall yeah, no kidding. than without a beautiful reclining theater, but awesome. Uh, moving on, uh, the Rosie winning film uh, is now on a documentary channel. So uh, Ampia member Niobe Thompson, who won uh, a Best Director Award for the Rosies last year, will see uh, his feature-length work, Memento Mori, broadcast on CBC's documentary channel, coming mm-hmm. right up here. Um Produced by Edmonton's, uh, is it ID Productions? It might be ID Productions. Mm. Not sure. Uh, and the National Film Board of Canada follows the inner workings of Canada's busiest organ transplant hospital. So you can find it on CBC uh, on February 9th, March 25th, or March 28th 
at 6, 7, and 5 p.m. Mountain Time, respectively. Uh, definitely check that out. Mm -hmm. Um, so up in Edmonton, uh, Fava will have its video kitchen screening on February 25th at 4.30 p.m. at Metro Cinema, and admission is by donation. Oh, so this is like the work that you do in the video exactly. kitchen Exactly. So oh, cool. Fava is proud to present new works from their introductory digital film course, Video Kitchen. With a healthy mix of theory and practice, Video Kitchen offers aspiring film and video artists the opportunity to gain new skills and develop their own personal vision within a supportive and collaborative environment. The class culminates with each student. <laughs> shooting and editing their own short film and that's what's going to air here so yeah very cool come down check it out yeah um upcoming workshops and classes there is a respectful workplace training workshop happening uh in calgary mm -hmm. on february 10th and 11th uh so this is being put on by iatsi and the trainer will be natasha tony um it's only forty dollars uh for members or permittees or others lunch and will lunch be provided. yeah it's like yeah. come on it's a giveaway price and uh, have you guys chatted about how Natasha's going to be on the podcast? Sort of, yeah, a little bit, yeah. So yeah. she'll be uh, in Calgary that weekend. Uh, we're going to get her on the podcast and chat more about uh, respectful workplaces. But um, obviously, we will never be able to do uh, the justice that she will do in a workshop setting Agreed. like this. Yeah. So definitely something to check out. Uh, it examines acceptable and unacceptable workplace behaviors, including those that are considered bullying and harassment. Um, so, I mean, you know, it seems like, at first blush, it's like, well, I don't, I don't harass people in the workplace, so mm -hmm. I, I don't need to attend this workshop. But um, it's also about, um, I think, being a little bit more aware of your own actions and, mm -hmm. and how those could be perceived by others, but also just recognizing harassment when it's happening, even if you're not involved mm -hmm. in it. And being able to support those that are being harassed. Right, exactly. And, yeah. And, yeah. And, and, you know, we all have to work together to promote respectful workplaces. Mm -hmm. It's not just like a, you know, it's not just don't harass. Um, or, or report if you're being harassed. You know, it's it's a team effort and everybody uh, has to be aware of it. So uh, yeah, definitely check it out, iatsi212.com uh, and sign up soon. Calgary Society of Independent Filmmakers is having their cinematography uh, class coming up. Oh, nice. Uh, explore how cinematographers use their artistry, craft, and technology to author images supporting the director's interpretation of the story. Participants will examine how the quality, angle, color, and quality of light affects or influences the image. Composition, lens sensation, depth of field, aspect ratio, camera height, and camera movement, and their collective effect on the story are all discussed. Um, so this is uh, instructed by Phil Letourneau. Um, and will take place on Sunday, February 11th from 10 to 2 p.m. And it's $75 for members and $115 for non-members. And you can register via Eventbrite. Uh, interestingly enough, it's $40 for a membership to the CSIF. So you could like buy a membership and then get the member price. Mm -hmm. And then it's the same price, but now you've got a membership. And then you can get that price for, for future workshops. That's workshops, right. Yeah. They ain't no dummies over there. Um, they're also putting on another workshop about film festival strategies. I think we brought this up uh, mm -hmm. last week, but uh, Cam McGowan and Brenda Lieberman will be discussing what filmmakers should have ready when submitting to film festivals and what they look for in sample work and materials such as press kits, stills, synopses, etc. cetera, uh, as well as strategies successful filmmakers implement when researching the best venues for their films to be exhibited on the world stage. So uh, definitely want to check out. It's happening on Saturday, February 17th from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Uh, $75 for members and students and $115 for non-members. And you can register via Eventbrite or just check out csif.org slash workshops uh, to see the full schedule. Uh, IATSE 212 is having another set adequate and protocol course coming up. If you don't know this course, why? Why? Um, yeah, it's like the first course. Yeah, we yeah. talk about it all the time on yeah. this podcast. Um, and it's awesome that they run it so often. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
if you want to get on set, you need this course. So um, you took it a while ago, right? When you were when you worked on Wild ago, Roses, yeah, before yeah. I went on Wild Roses, um, and it's awesome. It covers everything you'd kind of need to know um, if you've never been on a set before. Right. Um, and I get it. I get why this is mandatory. Yeah. If if you know some random is just going to walk onto a set, there's so much you need to know totally. uh, about respecting all the different roles and all the different cogs in the wheel. So it's yeah. an, it's an awesome introductory course. Yeah, I mean, if you've never been on a film set before, it it is uh, it is its own kind of beast. It operates, you know, according to its own rules, and there are very good and specific reasons for those rules. Apart from getting everyone to do their job, safety, like yeah, safety, and like yeah, yeah um, um, just making sure that you know if you're some people uh, try to be helpful and they'll just grab a, a you know a mm-hmm. kit and they'll try to move it and then they didn't realize that it was half open and now a lens falls out and breaks. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just kind of those basic rules. Um, that you so. Yeah, so the next course will come up on February 21st at 6 p.m. And it's actually going to be taught by Gail Kennedy. Oh. Yeah. Um, so it'll take place at IIT Local 212 um, headquarters, and it's $40 for everyone. Uh, APA is putting on a post-production budgeting workshop. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually kind of want to take this. What is it? Uh, so uh, APA, Ampia, and Herland are pleased to announce uh, their first joint event ever. Um Come join us for a post-production budgeting workshop with Deb Osborne on February 24th from 9.30 to 4 p.m. Learn how to improve post-production workflow, schedule, and budget in this workshop, which will benefit anyone in the screen industries. Uh, the Calgary event venue TBD is free to students and members of the above-mentioned group. So that's cool. Um, so there's a, a doodle uh, thing that yeah. you go to, to to register for, which is kind of cool. I guess. I've cool. uh, never seen anything yeah. done like um, that before, but... Yeah, post-production is one of those things that um, can be tricky to budget for because there's a lot that uh, pops up that you didn't, you know, if you haven't really done this before, mm-hmm. um, can surprise you. I know that that's happened to me a lot on in Plainview. There's, there's been a lot of post-production costs that uh, I didn't know were a thing. Um, so yeah, this is uh, definitely something to take advantage of, especially because post um, is a great place to ha- to spend as much money as you can because that's really where your film is made. So uh, yeah, check it out. And if anyone would have the answers to, <laughs> to what these things, yeah, would cost, exactly, yeah, yeah, they would they would help you through it. Uh, it's a full day workshop, so definitely something to check out. Uh, Fava's got their mean course coming back up. I know we talked about how um, they're doing the video kitchen screening, right. and this is the follow up course to video kitchen. Um, so it's their intermediate production class, and you must have completed the video kitchen course or have proven equivalent experience in, in order to get into it. So it'll build upon basic knowledge of production and editing in order to take your craft to the next level. So you'll actually get to take a short film from pre-production through to completion through this course uh, and learn how to level a dolly, the difference between a Maffer, Cardelli, and Gator ga- Clamp. Please say. Mayfer, mm-hmm. Mayfer, but you got the right. others, yeah. See, I, I just Car- need to take this, this class. Yeah, you should just take the um, class. <laughs> Cardellini, it's okay. You, yep, you yep, got Gator. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> and the importance of sound design <laughs> and color correction. Dramatic documentary or ex- experimental projects are welcome and encouraged. All the necessary Fava gear rentals are included in the class price uh, excluding film costs if you choose to right. shoot on film, which fair enough. Yeah. Um, you couldn't rent the gear to make your movie for less than the price of this class. I think that's kind of the key piece of information here yeah. is, is it, you know, it's like a thousand bucks, but yeah, worth every penny. Um, it does say, please note that shooting and editing your film will take place outside of the class time. So the class right. is to help you develop the skills right. in order to do go, the work. Go do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it starts on February 24th and it runs for 12 weeks, uh, although there's no class on March 31st, on Saturdays from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. And the cost is 945 bucks. 
So you need to give them a call in order to register. There's right. a link in the show notes, um, or you can just call FAVA at 780-429-1671. Dope. There's kind of a new, uh, really cool studio space in town called Media Lab YYC. Um, it's kind of downtown Calgary. Um, and they've got this this awesome setup, uh, and they're now starting to run some workshops. So they have a lighting workshop coming up uh, titled how, Understand How to Make Your Film or Video Look Great. Um, it's being taught by Scott Lutley, who has worked in the lighting department for the series Tin Star and the film Diablo, in addition to many others. He brings his expertise on how to best light your scenes, whether you're a filmmaker or a vlogger, um, which is interesting because um, Media Lab was set up by uh, a gentleman who used to be a vlogger, and I, I believe he still is. Um, and we're actually going to try to get him on the podcast soon. Anyway, um, so in the class, you will learn how to use lights properly, how to set them up, how to use them with your camera, and the correct way to, to light objects and people. Uh, you can bring your own gear if you'd like or use what is provided. Uh, you can find out more by going to medialabyyc.com. That is happening on Saturday, February 24th from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. And the cost? Cost is only 20 bucks. 20 bucks. You can't beat that price. Uh, next up, CSAF is having another shooting with the Scarlet Workshop. Learn how to use the CSAF's red Scarlet camera and all its accessories. The Scarlet allows you to shoot your projects on industry standard camera in an ultra high definition formats that will elevate the quality of your film. Um, and in case you ever wanted to rent the Scarlet from the CSAF, it's actually um, mandatory to take this class before right. you can do so. So something to keep in mind. Um, the workshop... Uh, will take place on Sunday, February 25th from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. It's $120 for members, and it's $160 for non-members. And it's taught by Aaron Bernakovich. Aaron Bernakovich. I don't think anyone knows this camera like Aaron. Um, Aaron. Yeah. Aaron. Uh, so if you were listening earlier and you're like, ah, the, the Fava main course, but I haven't taken the video kitchen yet. Yep. Well, have I got news for you. Feva is also having their video kitchen workshop. It's happening a little bit later than the main course. Um, it's the introductory class to filmmaking. Um, so yeah, that's basically what it is. You know, you'll you'll mix together uh, the ingredients of screenwriting, budgeting, scheduling, casting, camera techniques, shot lists, storyboards, lighting, sound, and editing. Uh, lots of lots of opportunities to get your hands dirty as you cook up your own four to six minute short film, which, as we have seen, will mm-hmm. be screening uh, at a later date. In fact, go go to the screening. Yeah, go to the screen. That's actually a great and idea. Then, yeah, go to the screening and then yeah. and then take the the video kitchen. Um, it's eight hundred forty five dollars. It is a twelve week course starting uh, on Thursday, March first, from six p.m. to ten p.m. and it happens every Thursday. Um, definitely uh, something to to take if you're in Edmonton and you want to uh, start making films. Uh, to register, call seven eight zero four two nine one six seven one. And uh, if you're scared and you don't know what to say, mm-hmm. just say like. Hey, uh, I was listening to the Alberta Filmmakers podcast, and I heard about your uh, your video kitchen, and they will walk you through the rest. And you can even say, "I don't know what I'm doing," and they'll help you out because they're great over there. Hey, Scott. Hey, what's shooting? There's some things shooting. Uh, not a ton right now because it's winter, understandably. But True Fiction, which is a feature, uh, is going to camera today. Um, that'll be shot in Calgary. Uh, there's also one on Herb season three, which is going, uh, which is now in production. And will be so until May 7th. Uh, and then there's 10 Star Season 2. Which starts tomorrow. Which starts... The 6th. Tomorrow. I, I see the 5th here. Pre-production until... Oh, until. I get it. So it starts tomorrow. They're going to camera today or tomorrow. One. Probably tomorrow because well, Briar knows more than me. So, well, so, no, it makes more sense that it would start on the Monday. So if you're listening mm. and uh, you're wondering about the order that we put all these workshops in, I did the same. 
when I was reading it. And Matt and I do the same uh, every week. Uh, and then I, so I asked Brian, why don't we just move the video kitchen workshop up to the main course section so we can just say both of them at the same time? Which I get. I understand why you would ask that. But then you said. They're in order of that they happen. Chronological order. Yeah. And I didn't know that. So uh, that is why. <laughs> we we talk about workshops that way. Well, so that way it's like the most. It makes total the sense. The most immediate things first, and yeah, then and it then moves. It's, yeah, same it with moves deadlines. I do the same with deadlines. So it's all in chronological order. Well, uh, yeah. Unless it's like definitely yeah. workshops. I always do. So that's cool. Something to know for future episodes as you're listening. Let's get into the recommendations uh, and then get out of here. So, do you have a recommendation this week? Sure. What is My it? recommendation this week is an app called Insight Timer, uh, oh. and it's available on both. Um, Android and Apple landscape. Um, and it is a meditation uh, app that has over 8,000 free meditations. It's like the top meditation app on... Um, on iTunes? On the, on, their, on the internets. On the internets. Um, and it's awesome. I know there was the Bell Let's Talk day last week all talking right. about mental health. And this is a high-stress industry that people totally are is, sure yeah. there's lots of stress and anxiety out i know there's there. lots i know that I, I, yeah people are starting to talk more about anxiety um yeah especially in this industry you're right and um you know stress and anxiety um don't exist in the present um you stress and worry about things that happened in the past or things that could happen in the future right. but in the current moment there's no stress and that's what meditation right. helps with unless it you're helps. like on fire Right. <laughs> right. But it helps you build mindfulness, which is really just a fancy way of saying living in the moment. Right. So it's an awesome app, and I highly recommend it. What's it called? Insight Timer. Insight so Timer. It's, it's free um, to stream anything and listen at any time. they got a great uh, filter feature, but you can also pay for a version that you can download and, oh, and listen, listen offline. offline. Cool. But, yeah. That's awesome. Well, thank you. Yeah, we, we're starting to talk more about anxiety, I think, on the podcast. So I think that's... Uh, Helpful, hopefully, to some listeners. My recommendation uh, is a, if, if you're on Facebook ever, I'm sure you've seen the ads for these master classes. Um, what? The, the original one was like Kevin Spacey teaches acting. I think they've rightfully removed that one, but they have a bunch of others. Um, they have, not to jump in, they have like really random ones. You can do. like take cooking, cooking courses. Yeah, I saw that too. Um, you can take singing lessons from Christina Aguilera. You can take. There's like a conservation one. With um, Jane Goodall. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, they have a ton of of these. I know Matt took uh, Werner Herzog's last year, and I think he even recommended it. He on did recommend. He might have recommended it on the podcast. Um, but uh, I've been seeing for many months that Ron Howard is having a directing masterclass, uh, and we're recording this a few days early. It's Friday right now, um, and it just came out last night. It went live, and uh, I signed up for it uh, as soon as I could. And I'm about. I'm just blowing through it. I'm not doing the homework. Just I'm just watching the videos and then I'll go back and do it. But um, I'm about halfway through it and it is just blowing my mind. It is uh, absolutely incredible. Um, it's not long. Like the videos are anywhere from, you know, two to 20 minutes. Um, and he just kind of goes over various aspects of directing um, and what his process is and what his approach is. Uh, and it's so nice, you know? I mean, there there really isn't that 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 many sources to find you know, how to be a director. I mm-hmm. think a lot of people just assume that they know how to do it and they act on instinct. Um, and there's something different watching someone do something or like teaching it and then like showing right. you how to do it than just like reading, reading a book. book. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, and not to, you know, yeah, reading books is great, but there is something different about having him actually talk about it. Um, so it's only 120 bucks. I didn't realize how cheap it was. Uh, and it's like five hours worth of video content 
plus every uh, module comes with a PDF um, that has homework uh, and different things you can do. So what kind of homework? Well, uh, like I said, I'm only about, actually I'm only about a third of the way through and some of the homework is, um, you know, like read this book, which is, you know, in and of itself uh, a lot, but some of them are like, they just have links to certain articles on Mm -hmm. like New York post and stuff. That's like, you know, how to collaborate or stuff like that. Um, So those are just like, like recommended reading, but then they're also like, um, write down, um, you know, the directors that, that you feel influence you the most as far as what kind of stories you want to tell and write down some scenes that you can think of in movies that you've seen that really resonate with you. Write down some movies, obviously that you, that you love the most and then start to look for, uh, commonalities within those. Um, and then like, you know, start thinking about what themes are important to you as a filmmaker and what kind of, I know what kind of stories you might want to tell. And then of course there's like taking scripts and breaking them down or he like deconstructs scenes and stuff like that. So it's great because right now I'm, I'm, uh, working on development of a feature that I'll be directing that uh, so I'm right in the in that headspace right now um, so it's just so helpful for me and uh, it really came at a perfect time so I would definitely recommend that uh, just masterclass Ron Howard will get you there on Google um, yeah if you want to be a director I think this is kind of a must and there's also um, Oliver Stone's got one that yeah. just came out I think as well yes and Martin so Scorsese I think it's coming out later or maybe I'm wrong about that anyway there's a bunch there's there's screenwriting with Aaron Sorkin yeah. There's a ton. There's a ton. And it is actually, I, I thought it was a bit of a, it's taking me a long time to warm up to it because I thought it was like kind of a stupid thing and I don't really need that. But uh, it's awesome and I'm so glad that they've done it. Okay, that's it. That's all. Uh, thanks to Briar for putting the news together for us. Thank you, Briar. I get to actually thank you in person this time. <laughs> uh, and to Chad Blaine who wrote the music for the podcast and Britt Clark who uh, did all the design. Um, so th- yeah, I mean, without the three of those people, mm-hmm. uh, this podcast would not be possible. So if you're an Alberta filmmaker, this podcast is for you and it's about you. So please um, share with us anything that you've got going on and we'll mm-hmm. share it with the community. Um, but also sh- share the podcast with somebody that uh, is trying to get into filmmaking because there is a lot of useful information in here um, that I think will be helpful for new and uh, emerging filmmakers. Um, if we got any info wrong or we missed something or we said your name or your company name uh, wrong, which Sorry. I know for a fact we did, <laughs> um, just let us know. Just send us uh, an email at hello at abfilmcast.ca or... Um, find us on facebook or twitter or instagram uh, at ab filmcast um subscribe on itunes and give us those sweet sweet five star ratings mm-hmm. or just listen on soundcloud or just listen on soundcloud that's right um we hope you enjoyed this episode uh now we've got a f- uh, final word from our sponsor appa and after you're done listening to that go, go make, make something, something. The Alberta Filmmakers Podcast is proudly sponsored by APA, the Alberta Post-Production Association. APA represents technical and creative professionals working behind the scenes in editing, sound, and visual effects. Our members live here in Alberta and support producers with expertise in picture editing, color grading, graphic design, compositing, audio post, music scoring, and so much more. For more information about post-production, visit APA online at albertapost.org.